genre. Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest franchises. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. Today we're continuing our mini-series on the X-Men franchise with the first sequel released in the summer of 2003, X2, a.k.a. X-Men United. And we have a guest joining us to talk about teleporting assassins, racist <laughs> government officials, and having iron in your diet. Our hosts of The Poptimist, or just Poptimist, Billy and Dagny McCartney, welcome. Woo! Hello. Hello, hello, Scott. Hello, Nick. Hi. Hi welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. So, okay. <laughs> we are starting all of these, all of these episodes by uh, first talking about your guys' sort of history with X-Men as a pop culture concept. So, do you guys remember getting into X-Men prior to the movies at all? Or did you discover them sort of simultaneously with the with the movies coming out um i'm gonna let billy you can go first just because i feel yours is gonna be a bit longer and it'll trigger memories of x-men for me so i'll let you go first <laughs> if you want that. <laughs> well so dagny i do know that we did not see the first one in theaters we either saw it on dvd or it was on tv someone i saw it somehow later but i do know the first x-men movie was one of the big reasons I got into comic books. It was that, and it was also, there was like, <laughs> we danced competitively growing up, and there was a, a dance number where it was uh, like 10 guys, and I wasn't in it, which was really upsetting. But they all wore superhero logo TV shirts, and they had like a Green Lantern shirt, and a Flash shirt, and a Superman, <laughs> and Batman. And it was like Marvel DC crossover, didn't matter. Damn, and I remember that this. Yes, right? <laughs> I'm unlocked a memory. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> and I think that at the same time was the reason I started going to my local comic book shop. Mm. And I started buying X-Men and I was reading some of the graphic novels. I was mostly DC with some with then X-Men and Spider-Man. And then I know we saw X2 in theaters because I yeah. remember the ending. I remember talking about the ending when we left. I remember trying to explain to mom what the Phoenix was. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, Why this and on a lake. <laughs> yes, right? The, the lake's very important. It's, I think. And this was also, you know, remember they in like the early 2000s, they published those like encyclopedia of X-Men books mm -hmm. that were just huge hardback. And you could flip through and it's like, here's the page about Colossus. Here's the page about Jean Grey. My parents got me yeah. some of those probably in between the two movies. And that was my big entry point into the mm -hmm. X-Men. And then, yeah, I think I, we definitely saw this in a theater together, yeah. Dagny and I. And I loved this one from the jump because we had this mm -hmm. on DVD. And it was honestly kind of shocking last night when I was rewatching this movie that I was like, oh, I know whole scenes of dialogue from this. 
Like mm-hmm. just, I watched this movie so many times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also, I, are you good, Billy? Any other thoughts? I actually do have, a, I, 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 <laughs> I was trying to save it for later, but I actually do have another thought that came to me. I, this hit me like a truck last <laughs> night. There were two prequel tie-in comic books that came yeah. with X2. There was the mm-hmm. Wolverine one, which was fine. And there was the Nightcrawler one. And I had the graphic novel, both of them bound together version. And I must have read the Nightcrawler one over and over and over again. And now, as a 30-year-old man, I realized that what I liked so much about it is that Kurt, this is terrible, Kurt is shirtless for more than 50% of the comic book. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure this X2 Nightcrawler prequel comic was part of my sexual awakening. And it's, (laughs) it's been a horrible realization that I haven't even had 24 hours to process yet. But um, I pulled it up online and I found old screenshots of it, and it's fantastic. It's but it's the same. It's really just shirtless Kurt is what did it for me. I remember that you you unlocked the memory for me, Billy. I had a prequel comic for X Men One that was about Magneto, and it was like all concentration camp stuff. And I remember reading that one a lot just because it was an X Men comic that wasn't part three of seven. Yes. And I could I could like enjoy it. But yeah, it was like kind of glossy. It was like a little nicer than a regular comic book. Yes. But you could like read it in one sitting. That's why I kept going back to it because it's like a sure. self-contained pre and then it literally the last panel is him teleporting into the White House. And he is shirtless in that panel. And I think the movie could have kept up with that, but whatever. <laughs> so we found those clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Well I I have actually notes on that Ooh. in particular. The, the, the White House invasion? Well, the shirtlessness. Oh, the shirtlessness. Yeah, specifically, oddly enough. But Dagny, what about you? Do you have any specific <laughs> memories? Um, of just any sexual awakenings? Gen- <laughs> sexual awakenings. Oh, man. Good old Jimmy Marsden's pretty hot in this. <laughs> Jimmy Marsden. <laughs> hey, that's what I used to go by in the nanny when in mm-hmm. the, the first episode when it's Jimmy Marsden. So that's what I call him now because I think it's more fun. I call him Donut Lord. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I love him. And I forgot, actually, uh, honestly, what's his face? Bobby also thought he was pretty dang cute. Sure, Sean Ashmore? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, this guy... Nickelodeon Animorphs series. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get to this part, but honestly, one of my favorite moments in X2 is when Hugh Jackman pops open a Coke, or Dr. Pepper. They're very clearly labeling. (laughs) You can see it's Dr. Pepper. And he's like, looks down at it, and then he has Bobby nice ice it up for him and i was like that's a good very funny moment i appreciate that yeah x2 i remember it's for sure my favorite i haven't seen the prequels i still need to mostly because i kind of let the public convince me that they weren't great but since i've learned that days of future past is apparently great but i've really just seen the first three multiple times and x2 i've seen several more times than the other two (laughs) so Yeah, I really, X2 is for sure my favorite. That's why I'm really glad that we were on this episode. And I don't know. I pretty much just, a lot of superhero things, I just kind of piggybacked with Billy to movies and saw them. And then I was like, oh, wait, this is great. I like this whole franchise. (laughs) Um, And that's how I really got into X-Men is because Billy dragged me to a movie theater. And we watched, yeah, I think I remember we, the first X-Men we must have just watched on TV. Yeah. Um, Yeah, or, or... I don't know why or how, but it got us to a theater, which I guess is <laughs> the the main point of marketing and putting movies on TV. I don't have too many deep, deep thoughts about 
X-Men just specifically, I do really enjoy this movie. And I learned that Halle Berry was so liked in the first one that they rewrote parts of the script of X2 to make her character bigger because she originally wasn't going to be a huge part of X2. Yeah, um, and that was not the reason, but yes. Oh, was it not? Yeah, no, I have, I have, I have details on <gasps> oh, that. Oh, I can't yeah. wait. I can't wow. Wait. Um, does it have, does it have anything to do with Catwoman and her incredible performance in Catwoman? No, actually. No, no, Dang. no. Um, <laughs> it, it has to do with her incredible performance in another movie. But first. Oh, right. Because um, she won an Oscar but, right before this, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, right. yes. Okay. But first, Nick, do you remember your thoughts on X2 as it was being released? Oh, hell yeah. I yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> It was, this was a big summer for me. This mm-hmm. was the summer of 2003. Mm-hmm. Finding Nemo, mm-hmm. The Matrix Reloaded, my first R-rated movie that I saw in theaters. Sure, nice. sure. And Billy and Aggie might appreciate this. I saw X2 opening weekend at the Grapevine Mills Mall. <laughs> the shittiest mall ever. It's <laughs> oh, just a circle <laughs> with one I, door. I always, I always thought that if I was ever at the Grapevine Mills Mall, I'm like, oh, this is like a special day. Yes, yeah, hundred because because it has to be because you have to walk at least half a mile. <laughs> it's so big; it has to. It's so big, and it's all like a lilac color of purple. It's great. Yeah, it was, it was a mood. Yeah, I mean, I was so hyped about X Men, but now I was hyped about X Men Two as a sequel to the first movie, mm-hmm. where like yeah. I wanted to see what happened with Rogue and Wolverine, and yeah, I remember this was the real like getting me getting into gear of being really hyped and excited for like these superhero movies. Yes, and. And yeah, watching this again just a few hours ago, a lot of memories hit me because like I hadn't come back to see this in a, in like in a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think this is, I definitely think this and Days of Future Past are one of the few ones that feel like real movies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That like stand on their own merits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking yeah. of Great Five Mills, though, real quick, pour one out <laughs> sure. for Rave Motion Pictures, where Dagny and I probably saw mm-hmm. X2 Rave. Motion yeah. pictures no longer Denton, exist. R.I.P. So sad. A R. lot R. of those theater chains don't exist anymore. But I do remember Rave. Mm-hmm. Real, real, real classy establishment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely not dated in 90s as hell. Um, <laughs> not at all. So the summer of 2003, that was the summer I graduated high school. So mm-hmm. I was a free agent for the first <laughs> time in my life because I moved out immediately, like immediately upon graduating. I think I was paying rent in a place by June. So I graduated wow. in like first week of May and I was out in my own place by June. Holy cow. I could not wait to move out. So this was one of the, you know, th- this, this was like I was on the cusp of like, I, I think I had just graduated or was just about to graduate when this came out. And so this was like a big summer for me for different reasons than than Nick, um, but uh, still still a big summer. I was still living at home at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so my thing with this movie was that I directly associate X Men and Spider Man as like this these two franchises that were in competition with each other. Mm-hmm. Of like, as soon as it opened, I was like, "Is this Spider Man?" Because the whole opening sequence. Is very, very similar. Yeah, it um, is very similar. So, so X-Men opened, and then I was like, wow, best comic book movie ever. Nothing's ever going to beat that. <laughs> and then Spider-Man came out, and I was like, yep. wow! Like, just completely blown away by the first Spider-Man. And then this, and I was, this was coming out, and I was like, well, there's no way it'll beat Spider-Man. I mean, Spider-Man's the most amazing superhero movie ever. So comics accurate. <laughs> <laughs> It's not true. Uh, I love that movie, but I, I know now that that is not true. 
But X2 came out and it just completely blew me away. I was like, I mean, the opening White House sequence. Yes. Just just Great. everything was like, what? Mm. this is X-Men. I'm watching an X-Men movie. And then, of course, the next summer, it would just be beaten into the ground by Spider-Man 2. However, so like this was, it was always like these two franchises in my mind were in competition with each other. I don't think they actually were in any real capacity, but in my, <laughs> my mind, that's how it worked. Yes. So, so yeah, so X2 came out and it just blew me away. I probably saw it in theaters like, I mean, probably two or three times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just absolutely adored it. And the Nightcrawler sequence, the sequence with Wolverine in the in the X Mansion, sure, all the all the character stuff seems so much richer than yeah, the first yes. movie. Oh yeah, they all absolutely. feel fully realized, even the supporting characters. It's very cool. Yeah, 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 all the Wolverine origin hints, all of that stuff. I just thought was really, really well done, and and I love the movie. So let's get into the development of the movie. Sure. So so the first X Men opens in two thousand. You know, it's a, a weekend of July 2000. It's the big summer release of that mm-hmm. year. It opened. Sorry, yeah. you. I just it just clicked with me. You said you graduated this year. Just to put in perspective about my my brain when I saw this, I was in third grade. I was nine mm-hmm. years old when I saw this movie in theaters. <laughs> I was so, I was an eighteen year old man, Dagny. <laughs> okay, that's why I was like, this is in my. Just so you know, when I first saw this movie, I was a child, and I was yeah. just like, oh, fun. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's probably why I'm not as close to it because I was nine years old. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Cool. So I was twice yeah. your age. Great. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So so X-Men opens in July of 2000, opening mm-hmm. weekend of $54.5 million, ends up making $157 million domestic, $296 million worldwide. In the year 2000. In the year 2000, this is huge. That's huge, yeah. huge release. Nice. And so obviously a sequel wasn't going to be that far behind. They started off with taking the writer from the first film, David Hayter. And inviting him to write the first draft of the sequel. David Hayter, as we talked about last week, being Brian Singer's assistant and was writing the script to X-Men on the, on the DL. He wasn't allowed to tell anyone. And then the studio found out and was like, this is how much you're going to get paid. You're not going to tell anybody that you did this. And it was, it was a rough time. So, so he comes in to do this. Now, there's no understanding as to why he didn't eventually write the actual script that ended up being X2. Huh. But based on everything that I've seen and everything we know about Brian Singer, we think it had I I think it had something to do with Singer's uh singerisms uh <laughs> that we're going to get into. Oh, H- Hater was like uh, I don't I, I want out. I yeah, want, that's okay. that's what I think either that or or it was a thing where like Singer tried to do a quid pro quo and Hater was like no, what? You know, oh, okay. or like something because you know, Hater was really young. Right, mm, right, and that was one of the reasons why Singer brought him on. And as we talk about at, through the development of X two, he keeps working with people who are way younger than him and way low on the power scale. And he says it as a way of like, "Well, I'm trying to bring in fresh blood, I'm scooping I'm, them, scooping these guys up, and giving them their first opportunity." In right, showbiz. but it's weird how heavy the power dynamic is in favor of Singer sure. in every situation. Weird. Right. 
And so, you know, he dumps Hater, and we don't know, we have no confirmation as to why Hater left for sure. They never worked together again. Never worked together mm-hmm. again. That would, which is why I seem I feel like it has something there's sure. something happened. There was a fissure. Yeah, there had to have been some kind of fissure. <laughs> but anyway, so David Hater writes one draft of the script and leaves. And then we enter Michael Doherty and Dan Harris, who separately worked on a lot of short films. Michael Doherty, of course, created the Trick or Treat short that got spread around in like 96, aired on MTV. Wow, it's that old. Yeah. I remember when that aired. I was I was a kid and it like blew me away. I thought it was the coolest thing. The coolest like three minute short uh, animated short I'd ever seen because it was all it was like so spooky and yeah. kind of demented and like just at the level of. My my like childhood brain to scratch that hot topic itch that I didn't know needed scratching, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, so Michael Doherty had written a a script for a feature version for Trick or Treat, which was going to be directed by Stan Winston. Had that had made the rounds, and Singer had found that he'd also found Dan Harris's script, which he would go on to direct later. Which was uh, hold on, it's called. It's not a memorable name, and that's why I keep forgetting it every time. Imaginary Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> so so he wrote, a, he wrote a spec called Imaginary Heroes. Coincidentally, Michael Doherty and Dan Harris lived around the corner from each other, had known each other from college, and had started hanging out and were wondering, hey, maybe we should write something together. And then they both separately get calls from Brian Singer, who found their scripts and was like, hey... We need new screenwriters on this. You guys are young and fresh. Are you guys fans of X-Men? They were like, yes. And also, we're kind of friends and we're thinking about working together anyway. So he was like, (laughs) great. So he brings them all in and they start working on this script. Now, originally, Laura Schumer-Donner, who was producing this, wanted this to start filming in March of 2002. Mm-hmm. That didn't end up happening. And in fact, that was based on what they thought was going to be the David Hayter script. But because Singer was like, no, we're going to throw that out entirely and start from, from scratch, they were like, uh, okay, but we have to start shooting like by June. And he was like, okay. So, so he brings in Doherty, and I think this is part of the reason why he wanted fresh writers, mm-hmm. because he knew that he was going to abuse them and the regular screenwriting rules in terms of how drafts are supposed to work and how the writing process is supposed to work wasn't going to work for this. And so he brought in you know, some green writers, and they basically went to an office in Fox, and they wrote, they conceived this movie and wrote it between February and April of 2002. Jeez. And they said that in this time, they wrote 26 studio drafts. Oh my god. Those are just the studio drafts that they turned in. They said that personally, just for Brian Singer and his people, they probably wrote about 150 different drafts oh, of X2 shit. in this process. They worked every day, seven days a week, from oh, February no. to April. And then they had, a, a, they had the final draft in April, and then from April to June, they went with Singer to Vancouver and wrote rewrote the production draft over and over and over again from April until June, and then we're on set every day rewriting scenes as they went in, oh in my production. God. So so this was a process. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. uh and and from the beginning, Singer wanted some sort of human villain because he felt mm-hmm. well we had a mutant villain last time. They can't all be mutant villains. We need a human villain. Mm-hmm. So Singer wanted a a human villain. 
originally that was going to take the form of the legacy virus and they were going to do something based around the legacy virus where a human was going to release the legacy virus the legacy virus from the comics billy do you remember this do you know that all the details of this is this and this i mean weird spoiler from 20 years ago is this the thing sure. that kills colossus yes yeah so it's yeah. yeah and what did they try to and this is me being like mm-hmm. did they try to make it like an aids parallel and it was like heavy-handed and not great yeah okay pretty cool. sure cool cool, yeah. cool i know exactly what this is <laughs> yeah yeah so so yeah so you know in the comics it gets released it's supposed to it was designed to kill humans it was designed by apocalypse to kill the rest of the human race so that only homo superior exists and uh somebody took it back in time tweaked it and released it and now it only affects people with an x-factor thing and yeah it's basically aids for for mutants and so that was what they were originally going to do <laughs> the, the the understanding is that's what the the hater draft was going to be gotcha he ends up scrapping that entirely and instead they turn to the comic god loves man kills which is a an original graphic novel the fourth of its kind by mar printed by marvel the very fourth, like the fourth, number four, Marvel graphic <laughs> novel number four, wow. which is kind of crazy. Wow. But yeah, uh, God Loves Me and Kills is a very different kind of story than what we're doing here. It's about Stryker is a reverend in this. He's an evangelical Christian, like TV personality who hates mutants and wants them killed. And he has military sort of assistance and a little army that he has of people who go out and just, you know, do mutant hate crimes on his behalf. <laughs> it opens with them like killing. It actually has a really cool opening that I kind of wish something like this had ended up in the movie, but it ends up with there's like these two black kids and they're running from these people who are trying to kill them. And then the end of the opening scene is them like strung up on some like a jungle gem. And the reveal uh-huh. is that they weren't killed because they were black. They were killed because they were mutants. And so it was like, it's like this weird thing where you're, you're like uh, lulling the feet reader into being like, oh, okay, I know what this is. This is going to be like a racism thing. And it, is, and it is, but not in the way that you're, you know, thinking at first. Mm-hmm. I think this was published in 1980. So like stuff like that was like a really big deal in comics at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a really big uh, story and a really like kind of like, like in if, the canon, it's the, known as like one of the better X-Men yeah. stories. Yeah, absolutely. It's okay. it's like one of the like top five classics, maybe even top three classic X-Men stories. Nice. So they were going to adapt this, but they wanted to, after September 11th, they decided to shift Stryker from a religious figure to a military figure. Mm. And so now, okay. you know, when they cast Brian Cox, which is something that Singer had to fight for, apparently, because oh. Fox was like, really, another elderly British actor? You're going <laughs> to cast another elderly British actor? And he's like, yeah, I really liked him as Hannibal Lecter. I think he's going to be really good in this. Yeah. So, Spoiler, he is. He's incredible. Yes, <laughs> he is very good. But yeah, Brian Cox came in this, and he was like, yeah, I pictured... It's never said implicitly in the movie, but I pictured my character being the head of the Department of Defense. And he is basically a Dick Cheney stand-in, essentially, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. in a lot of ways. And it became this thing where, you know, there is an attack against the U.S. at the beginning of this movie, and it's used mm-hmm. as, as an excuse to pervert a generally benevolent system into a surveillance <laughs> <Yes>. weapon. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's essentially what happened after September 11th and the Patriot Act and all of that stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, using fear to, like, shove legislator down the pipeline that abuses like basic rights absolutely and yeah. using and using a leader who is uh maybe a patsy of some sort um <laughs> not the most intelligent uh, a male- uh the malevolent man in the background pulling the strings if yes. you will 
Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) So that's how we ended up with the movie that we ended up with. As far as the Halle Berry thing. So the other part, one of the big problems that they had. So they did that. They got to that final draft. And then after the final draft, when they moved to Vancouver and started doing rewrites and, and rewrites on production draft after production draft where... You know, once you reach the production draft standpoint, you can't change any scenes or the locations of any scenes. All you can change is the what's inside of those scenes because the pre-production train is already rolling and everything. Yeah. So the problems that they were trying to solve at that stage were what was what's called the successful ensemble problem, um, <laughs> which is that after the first movie everyone in this movie became very successful yeah um and so Mm -hmm. they had to find new ways to involve them more and give them more lines apparently in the first final draft before they started rolling into this production draft rewrite halle berry storm had one line in the whole movie yeah. Just like um, Lady Deathstrike would go, and I will get there. But <laughs> yeah. So then but then she wins the Oscar and they're like, well, we can't do that. So <laughs> we need to involve her more in the movie somehow. So it, all of these rewrites were coming from that. Halle Berry was really not happy still. At the end of this, still wasn't happy with the level of storm that was in this movie. Me neither. Um, she was like, we she, was, she told people publicly when she was promoting the movie. Like a junkets and stuff. Yeah, she would just well, she would just be like I don't want to give people the false hope that there's a lot of storm in this movie. There's not any more storm than there was in the first movie. Just, you know, just so you guys know, I don't want you to go in thinking there's a lot more of me. <laughs> because I um, won an Oscar. Yeah, there, yeah. there isn't. Like, in fact, there was going to be way, way less until I won the Oscar. <laughs> so that was interesting. And in general, she had a very contentious relationship with Brian Singer, especially yeah. on this movie. There are rumors that she was aware of some of the more lurid things that's that singer was doing on set yikes but the biggest fallout came when singer who was addicted to a narcotic that was quote unquote for back pains he (sighs) basically came in one day high as a kite and the producer tom DeSanto was like, uh, no, we can't shoot with him like this. This is going to be bad. Someone's going to get injured. There's too many stunts on this. We can't. We can't. We got to shut down production for the day. And Singer basically told him to go screw and was like, you know what? Just because Tom DeSanto's an asshole, uh, we were going to shoot this talkie scene today. Instead, to prove that I know what I'm doing, we're going to shoot a stunt. And so he shot a stunt on the X-Jet. But the thing is, they were going to shoot that stunt the next day, which meant no stunts today, which meant that there were no stunt coordinators on set that day. And he ran a stunt without stunt coordinators. And Hugh Jackman got really injured and (sighs) was bleeding for real, like on camera. Like from his head. Yeah, from his head. Was Um, this this when Rogue gets sucked out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe so. Yeah. No, so, no, no. Yeah. Holy. So it was real bad. And at that point, DeSanto was like, okay, like we need to get, I need to get another producer involved. We have to shut down production and straighten him out. And he tries. And Singer basically goes to the studio and was like, if you shut down production, I will quit. And you'll have to finish the movie without wow. me. And so the studio was like, uh, okay, I guess we have to take your side. He's so, your Brian Singer. You yeah. directed Usual Suspects and the first X-Men. <laughs> right. So they took Singer's side in all of this and instead told DeSanto Jeez. that he has to leave set and go back to Los Angeles. <laughs> and the whole cast showed up except for McKellen 
and Romaine, I think. She was in makeup. Yeah, she was in makeup. <laughs> That's what and, she always is. <laughs> and then and McKellen just, I don't know, couldn't be bothered or wasn't there that day or something. He actually talked about how he was only on set for 15 days and he was like, lots of time for parties is what he said um, about the production of this movie. So maybe he wasn't even on that set that day. But the rest of the main cast showed up to Singer's trailer in full X-Men costume and was like, if you fire DeSanto, if DeSanto leaves this set, we're all quitting because he's the only sane person on this crew. Um, <laughs> and Halle Berry famously said to Singer, you can kiss my black ass, which Queen was an icon legend. Yeah, which yeah. was which was reported very early on by the Post, and then uh, Singer complained to Fox because they were like, he was like, "Don't you own that newspaper? Why are you letting them say this shit?" <laughs> so he always denied these allegations that this ever happened. Halle Berry famously never denied them, and in fact was kind of charmed that it was being spread around or that so it had been much. found out. And then later, I think just a couple of years ago, we found out kind of like quote unquote what really happened, and that's the whole DeSanto um, yeah. situation. So that happened. There was also another day, which I cannot confirm was related to Brian Singer being addicted to narcotics, but another day where the cinematographer and two stunt drivers were almost killed when they were shooting the stunt with the cars flipping up uh, during Pyro's attack on the police. Oh so my God. The, the cinematographer, I guess, got too close to some flames and uh, one of the cars almost exploded a little too much. And uh, almost killed like three people. Jeez. Um, yeah, very, very closely. Oh, wow. So, so you know, we start to see the continuation of a trend, I think, started by the first X-Men movie, which is like the studio turning a blind eye or putting itself in a position where it's like, hey, we weren't there. We didn't see it. And mm -hmm. it's like the, the perception that it's easier to keep the toxic party member in question mm -hmm. on board for the sake, the sake of keeping the train rolling. And it just ends up with more and more. Now we have an actor bleeding on set. Right. We yeah. have a DP almost getting killed in an explosion. Right. Because like one guy, Brian Singer, was put on this pedestal of like, well, we can't put him in danger. We can't lose him. Yeah. That's yeah. ridiculous. I did not know it was this chaotic. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, Scott, I was always under the impression that Mr. Jimmy Marston had a scheduling conflict and was his part was made smaller? Or is that not the case? They were just like, no, Cyclops. No. That's next time. Cyclops is going to just wondering. be off screen for an hour. Don't worry yeah. about it. No, no, not at all. That's actually, okay. So. That's just the writers not knowing what to do with Cyclops? Fair no, enough. they wrote a whole storyline with him and it was cut in post. They shot oh, it all. Damn. That's what, while I was watching it, I literally was like, did he have was he filming like enchanted or it's not the right time but i was like was he busy that they just didn't <laughs> no. have him for the entirety of the middle of the movie <laughs> no they had him the whole time they just uh the, uh the studio felt that he was a boring character <laughs> and just cut him out of the movie i mean they're not they're not wrong <laughs> sorry cyclops i'm so sorry scott do you have any info on what that that film the subplot was he like befriend the little boy in the <laughs> no so so there's a whole subplot where cyclops and professor x are trying to fight the brainwashing oh. um together oh. and and trying to like help each other fight the brainwashing mm, okay. um and it was this sort of like this mm. bonding like the scene of bonding where you get to like kind of explore their relationship a little bit more mm, okay. and why Cyclops is so loyal to Xavier and why Xavier has put him into a leadership role and believes in him so much. And they were just like, no one needs to know any of this. And they cut it all out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, oh Scott I'm... Summers, you poor, my sweet summer child. Oh, yes. poor, poor Cyclops. <laughs> oh, God, that, that, I feel bad for James Marsden. Yeah. Because, like, he's even, he's somehow used, e- done even more dirty in X3. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Although that's his own fault. That yeah. one is his own fault, sure. to be totally fair. But we'll, I'm sure we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but that's a bummer. Yeah. I think the thing that depresses me the most about it is how good he looks in this movie. Yes. He looks <laughs> yeah. so good every time he's on screen i'm like holy shit it's cyclops look at him yeah every yep. single time when he shows up in the visor in the plastic pr- in the glass prison i just like yes. god you look so fucking perfect like it's oh, just god. it's spot on yeah and, and we'll get to it you know when we do the scene by scene breakdown but i think the moments of mars and we do get he's even more locked into that like kind of cocky boy scout scott summers thing yes. yeah. yeah and you know the ending i think he's great yeah yes like, for the finale yeah. absolutely just a couple extra things before we get into get get into the breakdown. Mm-hmm. One, Aaron Stanford replaced Alex Burton as Pyro in this. Alex Burton, we talked about in the last film, yeah, was like a uh, uh, supposed to be most of like the young actors. Pyro is like barely in X Men One, mm-hmm. so most of them were day players in in like Canada. But he was mm-hmm. a uh, an actor that Singer personally met, offered the role, and flew him out to Toronto. Oh, cool! Right, and then and then immediately like sued the production or sued Singer for yes, an misconduct. incident of assault that happened. Oh my the, God, Brian! Pre- Brian, premiere. it's been five minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not directly involving Singer, but like people in his oh, like gotcha. wide social circle right. that he that oh, he kept. Right. So Pyro was had, had to be recast. Yeah, and it's a thing. Literally, when you're reading about it, and they're like, "Yeah, there was never a thought in our mind of keeping Alex Burton around." <laughs> like it, it would, it's literally quotes like that from from like the studio and things like that. Like, where, no, they, we were never going to keep him on. For, yeah, we were never going to keep him on. Like just saying the quiet parts out loud like it's kind of crazy uh sean ashmore does have a little cameo as Iceman in x1 and he's right and that was it was nice that he's back but he is that's, a canadian actor that's I really believe. true billy yeah. that's yeah he kind of fits that role where he was like a little bit bigger because he had like animorphs and some canadian movies but mm-hmm. yeah he wasn't like an la actor right. right right but i think he stood out more because he had like you know dialogue in the first right. movie yeah um, <laughs> a couple lines. Uh, yeah yeah as opposed to pyro who was just like kind of like looking over his shoulder and like that's it yeah <laughs> yeah and then and then i guess dipping right into the beginning of the movie i just want to mention the whole alan cumming c- scenario and the theory behind his casting which was that brian singer always wanted alan cumming as nightcrawler he didn't want anyone else and the theory is that one of the reasons why he threw out david Hayter's script and demanded that they do a page one rewrite was to push production back in order to cast alan cumming because alan cumming wasn't available um to begin oh with i love and that. push the entire production back Worth it. i mean yeah it's great because i love alan cumming i mean yeah. he's amazing and you he's, love the good wife and i love yeah i love the good wife <laughs> How um, alan cumming is yeah alan cumming is incredible but i love him. um that's like one of the most irresponsible things i've yeah. ever heard a director yeah. do in my entire life <laughs> we won't use the script so we'll give alan a few more weeks yeah probably to cost the production uh like another like couple million dollars easily Mm-hmm. Jeez. Because actually, the person that the studio wanted, and honestly, when I heard this, I was like, that's kind of dope. I would like to visit the alternate universe where this happens, was Ethan Embry. Who is Ethan Embry? He he was Empire Records. Yeah, he's in Empire Records. That he thing is, you do? Yeah, he's the bass player in that oh, thing you do. Oh. He's the lead in Can't Hardly Wait. He's Coyote and Grace and Frankie. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 
So originally, uh, oh, that, that's yeah, who the yeah. studio wanted because they were like, oh, it's more age appropriate because Nightcrawler yeah. is supposed to be a young man, not 38 like Alan yeah. Cumming was. <laughs> I, Brian Singer must have seen Cabaret and was just like, that's a good German accent. He's on board. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then good news for Rebecca Romaine stands. Uh, her makeup, Stam- uh, yeah, her, her, bad pun, her makeup went down from <laughs> uh, six hours to four hours, and Nightcrawlers was also four hours, except for the full body one, which was like nine hours. Insane. And that's the reason oh, why there's only one scene. Yeah, um, yeah, in because, the church. Yeah, nine nine hours is a long time to be to be in Jesus. makeup. Um, yeah, shout out to models. Yeah, shout out to models. <laughs> it's so, exhausting, wow. Let's get into the beginning of this movie, Nick. Let's do it. We open with a voiceover from Professor Xavier. Space, the final frontier. Yes. yes. <laughs> Following the tradition, talking about mutation, and we get, like, a star child? We get, like, some kind of celestial creature? Mm-hmm. Is that, like, foreshadowing the phoenix? I believe so, but I think you're not supposed to know that that's what it's doing until you rewatch it, you know? Okay. Especially with the bookend of, like, the repeated thing of yes. the leap forward yeah. which yeah. gives me full body chills this time watching it when <laughs> oh, great. she does the yeah. the bo at the end when and she, repeats yes. it i was like uh, it because of the phoenix which we'll never see it doesn't it doesn't really happen not for real anyway you're fine. so right so i started this last night with my boyfriend in the room and he fully had plans to go do something else and he ended up watching the whole thing with me so we had a lot of thoughts together <laughs> nice. and um He's not a nerd, and he had so many questions about the Phoenix, and I just realized, Scott, I can finally just say, Michael, this is how it makes sense. Um, they never did it right. That's why. That's why it's so confusing. You're so right, yeah. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. I get chills during like the opening of this, honestly. Mm-hmm. like I, I just remember as a kid, the kind of roller coaster style opening mm-hmm. with the John mm-hmm. Ottman theme mm-hmm. this time, like really kicking in. I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome which john the john ottman thing i didn't know that he's also the editor of these movies mm-hmm. that's so crazy he does the special effects for the title sequences no he's the composer oh what oh he's whoa. the editor and the composer that's um, a cool combination crazy dude. thing yeah yeah like, the more yeah. you think about it you're like oh word i bet that really comes in handy sometimes oh i'm but, sure yeah i'm it makes sense from a technical standpoint, for sure. You're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense that you would do it that way. Mm-hmm. But you never hear that combo, usually. Yeah. Right, so, yeah. yeah. And then we get the opening at the White House. And I right. think it's very indicative of, right away, the difference between X2 and X1. Yes. Mm-hmm. We, made a, we talked a lot about how X1 starts with, uh, it opens with uh, Auschwitz. Mm-hmm. And is this incredibly somber, you know, appropriately somber opening mm-hmm. to what's like a kind of a somber movie. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's under two hours, but it feels slow. It feels longer yes. than that. Yes. And and this opens with this incredible whiz bang special effects sequence that's like f- has a sense of fun that I don't think the last movie had a lot of. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. though it's like you know he's going to assassinate the president. But <laughs> I, I, I wrote uh, well actually one thing I did write was at the very beginning of voiceover. I love that Patrick Stewart punches the English by saying "an historical great." But uh, uh, <laughs> I, 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 the weird choices in this opening that I'm into is sure. uh, the weird parallel of Nightcrawler as JFK, where he's like got his arms crossed next to the JFK portrait. I was like, I don't. This is a weird choice. Um, <laughs> maybe it's because he was going to assassinate. Oh, now I get it. Now it's a cool choice. Okay. Um, you have to talk to your, yourself and through the, it. The, the music <laughs> choice in this sequence is wild. I yeah, love the, it. The, the I do to know. Too. Like what? What piece of music this is? It's it's opera. It's a big. Oh, what is it? It's like because it's not composed. I don't think it's composed for yeah. the movie. 
But uh, no, it's not. But it's yeah. but it's it's great. I mean, like it's uh, it's a really fun singer is really good at these like individual sequences. Mm-hmm. I found also the wire work is so much better in this movie than yeah. the first movie. <laughs> right? Yeah. So that helps a lot. But yeah, it's a cruel sequence. I remember this is the scene that everyone was buzzing about, which is impressive because it's at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. So you would think that another scene would have superseded it over the course of the movie. But no, soon as credits roll, everyone was like, cool, that's the Phoenix. Anyway, how about that Nightcrawler scene? That was yes. nuts, right? Like, it was like <laughs> everyone was talking about this scene. These first couple of movies are like really good at tapping into what would be cool for audiences to see with these powers, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because it's all, I mean, the, the slow-mo teleportion sequence, oh. sequence in the Oval Office is yeah. so well choreographed, so well shot. You, ever, you understand where he is at all times, even though he's constantly changing. It's yeah. incredible. I we really get, love this. Um, the music is uh, from Mozart's Requiem, and every other time there's classical music in the movie, when Magneto's listening to it, it's also Mozart. Oh. oh. Mozart's kind of like... Uh, I guess throughout the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like an equivalent, but I can't. Uh, it gets a little matrixy at the end when he's like doing like slow mo <laughs> kicks, mm-hmm. but that was the time that we were living in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, mutant freedom now. The mutant knife says freedom now. now. With yeah, the, yep. he's gonna plant a flag in his chest. Yeah, it's a pretty <laughs> damn like pretty badass opening. I loved it. Well, mm-hmm. and also the way they communicate subtly, they start to foreshadow the mind control with when he gets shot in the shoulder and his eyes undilate. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. just, and then he's gone, and you already, as, as an audience, are questioning his motives just with that little moment. It's very yeah. cool. And then we cut to uh, a museum of some kind. I completely <laughs> forgot about this scene. This was, this was like, oh, I remember oh. this scene because I liked the food court bit. I thought it was very <laughs> fun. As soon as this <laughs> popped up, and they cut to Rogue and Bobby and the and Pyro in the uh, cafeteria, I was like, oh right, they're little like pieces of shit to these bullies that pop up. Uh, yeah, I love the scene. I feel like it. It was the first time that we got all of the. I mean, all the characters obviously together, but it gave everybody kind of an opportunity to show their characters right off the mm-hmm. bat, which was fun. All the relationships yeah. that you saw right at the get go. I like how we the first time we see the team, we're seeing the kids. Yeah. And- we're seeing Cute. them like, yeah, weirdly nails that feeling of being on a field trip, how there's like the mm-hmm. younger kids that are doing the actual field trip stop. And then the cool teenagers are like at the food court hanging like, out. Whatever. We're going to go hang. <laughs> I, I did write down just right as soon as the scene started that Hallie, Hallie Berry and Femka should have swapped wigs. Just I have to get that out right as we're this early. <laughs> oh, just like I, hate, I hate Storm's wig so much in this movie. Like, somehow more than the first one. I don't know how. It's, like, weirdly feathered or it's something. Feathered. It's almost yeah. like they went for the Rachel, and then yeah. it only looks good in the church when she has it behind her ears. I feel like it took them until literally le- um, Days of Future Past to put Halle Berry in good hair as Storm. And it makes me so <laughs> mad. <laughs> is, that the, is that when it's, like, it's shorter? I feel like whenever it Storm's gets, hair was, like, sh- okay. It gets shorter and shorter, and I'm sitting there going, do you know what Halle Berry looks like in real life? Just take that hair and turn it white, all right? Yeah. Just do it. Because she's yeah. at this point, how she had such short hair, like at the Oscars, and Storm had done that in the comics. I literally, I just was like, just do it. Just somehow make that her hair. Stop mm-hmm. giving her these horrible, horrible wigs. Uh, yeah, just, just give her a mohawk. I don't, honestly, yeah. that's the one. And then, and yeah, Fem- Femka has a weird wig that I think works, but it's just, it's <laughs> not a, it's not a, no, it doesn't. It doesn't work. I don't like it. 
I like Femke, her. Well, okay. So in the defense of the Femke wig, it's a wig. Okay. <laughs> it has um, to be. There's okay. no, sorry. It just, there's no way it's not. It's <laughs> okay. I air to your judgment. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, uh, I air to your expertise, Billy on that, on that. Um, I don't have good wig vision. I'll be honest. Um, I'll cop to that. Uh, but I will say in the defense of the wig, the early 2000s, like 2003, every redhead in Hollywood had the same haircut. Yes. And I don't know why. I don't know what that was, but Allison Hannigan had it. Mm-hmm. She had it. Yeah. There was another one that I was thinking of while we were watching the movie that was from the same period of time. That also Does Rachel had- Lee Cook have red hair and she's all that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it was her. It- no, it was her in Josie and the Pussycats. That's oh, exactly yes. it. You called yes, it. Yes, it is. Yes. It's exactly it's the same. same hair. It's one wig and they all share it. Yeah, it must be. <laughs> uh, and speaking to Gene, I, I like that bit with her and Cyclops where he's like the kind of tying it back to the first movie where mm-hmm. it's like you've been weird. He, she, may, she makes like the TVs go all staticky. Yeah. Yes. In, in general, though, I just really, I got to the end of this movie. I don't want to skip to the end, but I think it, it has ramifications throughout. So I want to come it up, bring it up now of just like Famke Jensen's Gene Grey. Like, I got to the end of this movie, and, you know, she sacrificed herself, and you're like, okay, cool. But then it's just <laughs> like, okay, I want you to describe Jean Grey in this movie without describing the way that she looks or her powers. Oh, I really enjoy There's something about Famke Jamson's Jean Grey that I really, I don't know, I, I, I really, in, I like her in both of these movies. Yes, sure. And I really like her arc in this one. There's just some kind of... Um, there's like a uh, a reservation to her, mm-hmm. like her arc of like being afraid of her powers and like her, how she's not as outspoken or loud as the other X-Men, mm-hmm. but is like the most powerful. I don't know I, if it's just Fam- Famke Jamkin's like presence, but like, yeah, I like Jean in these. Movies. I yeah, think I it's too. her presence. I mm-hmm. think she takes this character and makes her so much more interesting than she is on paper because mm-hmm. everything she does is so good. Because the thing Mm -hmm. I realized watching this movie now as someone who's older and wiser is I genuinely feel like there's not a well-written woman in this movie. And Mm -hmm. the female characters that are good, it's entirely the actress making the role better. Yeah. Um, Rogue Rogue gets the short end of the stick. We already talked about Halle Berry. And literally everything good Jean Grey does, I think it's, it's Femke's acting decision. Yeah, all of the female characters are based solely on their relationships to the men in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Rogue only exists to be in a relationship and kind of fascinated with Wolverine. The, there's like a weird romance there. I feel like like some daddy thing. I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> we'll get into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, they got a weird dynamic going on, and then this the love triangle with Jean Grey. When I was like, we can have so she could be so much more interesting. I feel like if they didn't, she's she's like a sleeping god. Kind yeah. Of. And, and I was like, like she's so, she has the potential to be so cool, but they make it just about this love triangle in which obviously she should go with Hugh Jackman because they have much more chemistry, in my opinion. <laughs> um, hot, hot take, hot take, because this love triangle also exists in the Marvel comic books, too. And it's really right. annoying. Um, I don't know what I like better. Lord, Logan and Jean, Scott and Jean. I really like Scott and Logan. So full thruple, polyamorous. That's how it works. That's how it should happen. Also, Scott and Logan are great together. Personally. And Jean and mm-hmm. Storm, honestly. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> oh, yeah, also, I like Jean and Storm when they team up in this. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's great. They, got, they have good chemistry as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, all of the women in this movie, although their char- or like their powers and characters are cool, they exist only to further the plot of the men in the movie. It's cool. It was cool seeing Rogue in a friend group. Like yeah. when the yeah. bullies, 
when the bullies are like giving Pyro a hard time, there's just something believable. Like, yeah, these are real like early 2000s teenagers that are like dicking around in a food court. Oh, and I, I wrote down too, I wrote in that first scene, I wrote Pyro rules. And yeah. it's just, he's such a supporting character, but he's got so much to him. Also, what a sign of the times. They're in a museum and this fucking kid lights a cigarette in the cafeteria. How is he allowed to light this cigarette? But right. just um, when Pyro like winks and the cigarette explodes, I was like, this kid is fucking cool. And he knows yeah, it. It's great. So- <laughs> yeah. Was he, was he like a favorite character of y'all? Like watching it for the first time, kind of like the mutant teen bad boy. I think I liked him more than ever this time. Yeah. Mm. I liked it. I kind of forgot about him honestly yeah, sure. and then i like him in this movie i like where his character goes and i i mm-hmm. like the the choices they made with his character um for yeah. sure i but i absolutely kind of forgot about him and his whole storyline until i started watching mm-hmm. i was like oh right we got pyro in here yeah so but i also liked him more this time around obviously i forgot about his existence until this rewatch <laughs> and then i noticed a pattern in this movie that we'll, we'll talk about as we continue. Uh, uh, so Professor X freezes everyone to stop a fight breaking out after like Pyro lights it on fire. Iceman uh, tests it out. I, Brian mm-hmm. Singer really likes freezing people in mid motion. Yes. And like showing them about to eat a thing or like <laughs> yep. mid yawn. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's like an easy comedy bit. Yes. Well, they do. They even do. I mean, at the very end, and we'll get there. They even do it at the very end with that one guy in the White House with the pen in his mouth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. And then he does it like four times in a row with Quicksilver. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's true. Wow. He he does a lot. He just thinks it's delightful. (laughs) Uh, Professor X comes and it's like, we're getting out of here. There's Mm -hmm. been an attack Mm -hmm. on the White House. Mm -hmm. I think it's time we leave. So I forgot to bring this up when we were going uh, over the Nightcrawler thing, but I do want to mention really quickly that in an early draft, the character that was attacking the White House was actually uh, Hank McCoy. Beast. And this was going to be the introduction of Hank McCoy because the idea was going to be that Hank McCoy worked at the White House, and that's how he got in, and then, mm. you know, was under the influence of, of Stryker and, and attacked the White House. and. Became Blue Beast by the end of the movie, but wasn't yet. Um, gotcha. So, and it was basically going to be a thing of like, he could hide his mutant abilities and was kind of ashamed of them. And then by the end of this movie, he had sort of uh, accepted them and accepted himself and basically was set up I'm into blue. a situation. Yeah, was set up into a situation <laughs> where. He became blue, and now it's like, well, there's no going back now. I'm going to look like this. Okay. You know, and it was like, that was kind of like a little arc for him. Um, but he was going to replace Nightcrawler as like that character gotcha. in this movie. Um, Interesting. Yeah, in no, a different but version. But Brian Singer so. got uh, Alan Cumming and wanted to use him for everything. <laughs> He's yeah. like, I got my man. He's going to be in all of it. <laughs> I've got my blue man. Here we go. <laughs> Move to hell or high water. Yeah. Yep. I, think he, I think he just decided that tele, a teleporting sequence was way more interesting than it is. somebody like, like, yeah, running on all fours through the White House. Um, yeah. No so. shade at Beast. Scott's no, favorite X-Man. Yeah, he is. He is my Beast's favorite great. X-Man. Beast's great. Yeah. I mean, I like him because he's blue, but that's a pattern. Nightcrawler sure. is easily mine and was my whole childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and we cut back to the White House where we're reunited with Senator Kelly, a.k.a. Mystique, Mystique. who has yes. been presumably living every day as Senator Kelly since she 2000. She must be, right? She must be. She's got, she's got meetings. She's got fundraising calls. What she's trying to bro. get reelected. Yes. 
She I'm works harder it. than any other character in these franchises. I True. will say, uh, uh, I think Mystique is the MVP of X2. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 A hundred percent. She works hard. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. She, she doesn't have a lot to do after she breaks out Magneto. Like, after that point, the rest of the movie, she just kind of like... Magneto's she has assistant the cool, again. She has the cool moment where she disguises herself. Yeah, the middle finger, Billy. The middle oh, finger right, moment. Right, the middle Incredible. finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That is that cool. But like everything up to her breaking out Magneto rules. Like, yes. Like, oh, yeah. All yeah. of that is just like, wow, this is a great use of Mystique. And all I, of almost, this. I almost didn't know who to credit it to because, I mean, we went into it last week, uh, Billy and Dagny. Singer could give a shit about romaine's scheduled statement you know her her she would like he would often like change scenes and it's like oh we're not doing it and she was like in makeup she's like oh fuck me i guess yeah oh um, my god no oh, no speaking of that he did the same shit to alan cumming on this movie where literally alan cumming would get in full makeup be taken to set hung upside down for like the scene in the church and then brian singer would be like hey alan we uh we decided to like shoot this in a different way so we're just gonna set up just you know hang out and he would just be hanging upside down for like <laughs> an oh hour while they they oh, reset no. like this the the angles of the cameras Why is and Alan everything. Coming not an X three. Here we go. Here's your oh, answer. My <laughs> goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh but, wow. But no, yeah. Like I didn't know who to credit her increase. I was like, is this like the new screenwriters? You mm-hmm. know, because yeah. like I, she's much more of a character in this than I think yeah. she was in the first one. Yeah. Yes. Um, and we also meet William Stryker, played by the voice of McDonald's, Brian Cox. <laughs> what? <laughs> the voice of McDonald's? He's like the voiceover guy who's like, you remember, you remember McDonald's, Scott? It, he doesn't even do like a different voice. It's wow. just, it's, very, it's Brian Cox. Wow. Okay. I mean, all That's... he did was make me go, God, have they filmed season three of Succession? When are we going? Oh, I'm my God. so on board. Yeah. Um, he's so good. He's so good in every inch of this movie. But I do want to stop real quick because he does deliver the most insane line of dialogue in this entire film. I think I know and what I, it is. And I wrote it down. Here we go. Yeah. I was piloting black op missions through the jungles of North Vietnam when you were sucking on your mama's tit at Woodstock, Kelly. <laughs> yes. Who wrote that line? <laughs> I don't know who wrote that line, but also they're not that different in age. No. Like, there's like maybe like five years difference between these two guys. That was the insult, Scott. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so Stryker has been doing behind the books work, investigating the school mm-hmm. questioning magneto and senator kelly mystique is like oh can i have a sit down and brian cox is like no what happened to you you used to be like really cool and now you like have totally different politics yeah now you love mutants yeah and we meet strikers silent assassin bodyguard lady deathstrike played by kelly hugh yeah so lady deathstrike never named Never named. Only her first name is ever uh, ever uttered in Lady. Um, no, <laughs> her her first name uh, it starts with an O. I forget what it is. I actually um, so I tried to I tried to explain to my boyfriend. I he was I was like yeah yeah she's in the comics but she's like from the nineties is obscure and I was like her name is Lady Deathstrike and he was like that's bad. <laughs> he just had a hard time with the code name of Lady Deathstrike and I was like Eureka. Eureka, oh, that's what they yeah, call it. Brian yeah, Brian Cox says it. This is my this is my Eureka. Yeah, yeah. So so uh or yeah, so Eureka is um mentioned by her first name, but not mentioned like Lady Deathstrike or anything like that. Originally, this was not going to be Lady Deathstrike. Originally it was going to be the character that was Striker's right hand lady in the comic in God Man uh or God Loves Man Kills, which was uh this woman who was just like this military ops lady. And it turns out, like, when 
uh, he goes to kill all the mutants. She's one of the people affected, and that's how she realizes that she's a mutant and that she's been fighting on the wrong side this whole time. It's like a big important moment in the comic, and yeah. then he kills her, and it that's like a big turning point in the comic in terms of like the people that were on her his side and then see the brutality of what mm-hmm. he believes, and then they're like, Ugh, I don't know if I like this. Um, but anyway, they they stripped her out and replaced her with a with a mutant originally though so it was originally her then it was angel cool and okay. he had he had given angel adamantium wings and was calling him archangel Weird which apocalypse i'm glad angel. they didn't do because that's cool and i love angel but i'm glad they didn't do it because that would have pissed a lot of nerds off yes that's, um, you're doing it in the wrong order brian yeah yeah they would have been real angry about that but uh but yeah he was he that was originally going to be his thing and there's actually a bit still in the movie setting that up where you can see on all of his like in his computer you see like all of the the yeah. the different designs and experiments the justice league logos yeah i think one of the ones yeah yeah exactly <laughs> one of the ones when uh when mystique is like going through the computer mm-hmm. one of uh-huh. the them are like schematics for angel's wings or angel's gotcha. archangel wings. that's cool yeah i think striker is the best villain of the series yes i would wholeheartedly yeah. agree I yeah. think Brian Cox is like bringing it on another level. This was probably my first time watching Brian Cox mm-hmm. in a movie, and for a while it was like, "Oh, Stryker's in this." Yes, but he's just—I don't know—he's in. He, he reminds me of just like why this movie is better than X Men One, where Stryker feels like a villain that exists in the real world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in twenty twenty one, almost as much as it did in two thousand and three. Yeah, and if not more, and he's—he's—it's weird. He's like having fun, but he's not doing camp. Right. It's incredible. It's honestly, it's such a subdued performance for a character that doesn't need it. And it's yeah. fantastic. And that has, that has lines like, I was pulling Black Ops missions while you were stuck in your mama's teeth at Woodstock. <laughs> but, it, but it works because, in my opinion, by the end of this movie, Mag- well, actually, mostly the whole time, Magneto has gone full camp, which I yeah. am 100% on board with. Oh, yeah. yes. We'll see. We'll, we'll talk about it. That we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, back at the school, something that I thought was in the first movie, and I was like waiting for it when Bobby and Rogue are like flirting with each other in the quad or the common area, and the kid draws a cartoon to make his mm-hmm. friend laugh, and it's like them kissing. It's very funny. There's some yeah. really good little comedic moments throughout the entire movie. Um, yeah. And yeah, I love the little, the shock, the comic of um, Bobby being shocked by kissing Rogue. Very funny. Yeah, I like all the moments where it reminds you that like yeah, these are just a bunch of kids living like in a yeah. boarding school. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is and a this, school um, after all. <laughs> this was also foreshadowing for when Marvel would finally uh, retcon Iceman and make him gay. That's why he can't kiss Rogue. It's a stupid joke mm. I wrote down. Oh, that's actually what the what the what the kid was trying to communicate with the cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like, mm, "This know. is a metaphor, actually." <laughs> um, you're gay, Bobby, uh, and then you're right. Gay. In the- <laughs> right in the middle of literally uh, how it happens in the comics of <laughs> <laughs> trying, trying to make it work with bobby uh rogue's other crush arrives wolverine is back mm-hmm. yeah uh, he he visited alkali lake he didn't see immediately didn't see anything and gave up and turned around <laughs> he, he followed a wolf for a second yeah that was like, a, that was a choice it's like yeah and there's hugh jackman and a wolf all right <laughs> symbolism moving on there's there's just something inherently anytime they try to make a main character like a wolf or connected to a wolf it's just always so cornball to me yeah like mm-hmm. macho yeah yes 
because honestly, most of the yeah. most of the things people believe about wolves and wolf politics are all bullshit. They're all fake. They're uh-huh. all like made up by like by like some some guy who did some bullshit research back in the seventies, and it's all been disproven. But everybody just uses it in popular culture, yes. like the idea of like the alpha wolf and all all of that is bullshit. None of it's real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and also just this idea that they're like, we have to make Wolverine more visually masculine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, have yeah, you seen it's not enough. everything about him? Yeah. <laughs> He's not straight enough, Billy. We don't want people to think that he belongs with Scott. Come on. So, I mean, I do wholeheartedly believe this. I, I, I know, I know. That was, I, yes. I love that as soon as Logan comes back. It didn't just, work. He, it's, like a, it's like a pilot light. Just as soon yep. as he steps into the school, Rogue's like, hey, what's up? And Bobby's like, hey, what's up? <laughs> yes. you, look, like, you, you, Logan? It's cool again. <laughs> yeah, well, and then yeah. just like, just like too, the, the welcome back is such a good plot device to get us back in the world of the X-Men as a team. Just have yeah. Wolverine walking back in. Really reinforcing something we talked about last week, w- Wolverine being the audience. Yeah. 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 He took a break and now he's back, just like we are. How long was mm-hmm. he gone, though? I, I mean, he know, rode too- a motorcycle to Alaska from New York, so probably a while. <laughs> and like, back. Like t- yeah. <laughs> two months? Three months? Yeah, probably just a few months, right? Yeah, it can't, can't be, be too can't crazy. Be years. So yeah. I have a question that I want to pose to, to y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I felt like Hugh Jackman and Famke had more chemistry in this than they did in X-Men 1. Big yes. time. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. 100%. Yes. <clears throat> Could be just them knowing each other better as people, or yeah. Jackman growing yeah. as an actor. Yeah, them bonding over how much they hate the director. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Jackman and Donut Lord, however, just as much chemistry as the first film. Yes. Yes. Oh, when he throws the bike, when he throws the keys back, and he's like, "Your bike needs gas." Yeah, (laughs) he's like, "Fill her up." Throws it back at him. Yeah, and they just make out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yes, that's the correct choice. (laughs) Just keep tossing the keys back and forth, but it gets like closer every time. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Uh, and then boy. we get um uh, uh is cerebro right now do we go get the the cerebro well, well, first we cut we cut back to magneto's plastic prison yeah mm. i love it i love um, the idea of the plastic prison he's reading yeah. the once and future king and you're just like all right which mm-hmm. still after all these years i haven't read same <laughs> <laughs> i always want to i always like the cover that i like how it's torn up like it's one of his favorite books mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and I, I like I love that they just didn't change the plastic prison from the last movie. It really feels like you're yeah. watching like a continuation. Yes, but he's actually stuck there. But yeah. the plastic prison, so smart. And I, while I, is that when he like walk in and they like tranquilize him? That's mm-hmm. right. The scene. Yeah, yeah. Because while we were watching it, I uh, was very proud of myself because my boyfriend he watched it with me. He was like. Why is it not? What is that for? Why is it not a needle? And he knows a lot about X Men. I was like, it's because a needle is metal. It has to be something else because you know Boom. he can oh, kill yeah. people with metal. That. So that's yeah, why that's he really did true. the little the little drop, and they didn't use a needle to tranquilize him. Yeah, well, yeah. it's a it's like a brainwashing drop stuff. Yeah, they do the yeah. same thing to. I Night wasn't sure what it was for, but I knew that they couldn't stuff, use. Yeah. yeah, they have. To I remember. Stuff I remember. Yeah. Like I like it looks like a cigarette burn. Yeah, yeah, it does. Like the texture of it is really yeah. I think they even foreshadow it because I think you can see the scar on the back of Nightcrawler's neck at the top in the, in the White scene. House. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. Uh, we also yeah. get the introduction of the prison guard Lawrence. Oh, yeah, we'll come back later. <laughs> yeah, what um, a what a man. <laughs> yeah. it, it's a choice, I think, to show Magneto is like super vulnerable 
and mm-hmm. subdued for like the first half of this movie, and I think it pays off for when he escapes. Uh, I I love his energy though, his energy of just like go ahead, beat the shit out of me. I'm gonna kill all of you. <laughs> like yes, yes. at one some day point that's my, gonna happen. My time and you're will gonna come. Know why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so good. He knows uh, everything's gonna work out in the end. Yeah, kind of like Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of parallels. Uh, back at the mansion, Logan meets Professor X who's using Cerebro. We get that joke about, oh, kind of the weird joke about, like, put out the that smoking. cigar. Yeah, I really love that like a, Let's okay. go out make you think you're a three-year-old girl, whatever that line is. That yeah. was great. Mm-hmm. I'll make Gene braid your hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he puts out the cigar in his in the palm of his hand. Yeah. Which I, yeah, I just love that. It's like, you're wearing shoes, Logan. Like, just... <laughs> yeah. Put yeah. it up. He's like, no, no, no. We got the CGI budget for my palm to heal, so we're gonna this. I thought about that, but the logic, I guess, would be that like he's like, well, my shoes can't heal. I heal, uh, so <laughs> doesn't want to mess up his shoes. Yeah. Um, the this is, I guess, not anything crazy, but arguably, I don't think Wolverine would be really anything interesting if he didn't have his healing powers. If it was just the knife fingers, yeah, uh, I think he would be very boring. I think the coolest yeah. part of Wolverine is the healing, by far. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. It's weird when, not to jump ahead, something I did appreciate as a kid is when they say, like, oh, I've been, it's been roughly, like, 15 years since he's gotten the claws put in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, like, a blink of an eye for Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He's like when a hundred years of of just being like just healing guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the and bone claws. Bone uh, claws. As we yeah. learned later. <laughs> but uh in, in, in general of what you're talking about, Dagny, I, I think it's I think you're right, because I think it's it gives him an interesting fighting style, which is that like Oh, I, I, I'm going to put myself into da- constant danger, but as long yeah. as I kill you, it's fine because no matter how injured I get, I'll heal. Yeah, yeah. you know. Um, and I, I, I love that yeah. about Wolverine. And uh, jump, you know. sorry, not to jump forward, but by far my favorite fight in the whole movie is the fingernail Wolverine fight yeah. uh, with the female. I, by far the most creative, best fighting I think in the whole movie. And I forgot about that scene, but we'll get to oh, it. Yeah. But still, no, I just, sure. it's, oh, it's so good. Yeah. They both can keep healing. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I like uh, I like how they up the ante on Cerebro. I like how they make yes. it a bit more visually mm-hmm. sophisticated. I mm-hmm. like the, like, look, we're not alone, as alone as we think we are. Like, it's. That's a, cool. I, I, I remember thinking that's a huge moment for Logan when it switches to these are all the mutants. And Logan, I think Logan probably was like, yeah, there's like, we're like 1% of the population. And just to see how many people it is. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. really is important to him. And then we get, um, we get the most foreshadowy of foreshadowy lines. Can't you just concentrate harder? Oh, if I want to kill him, yes, that's true. Yeah, Here we go. Here we go. Plot yeah. devices. Plot devices. But I like what you. I like what you said about Logan because I think his arc of this movie. Because I could, I could give a shit about the Weapon X stuff. Like, it's, yeah, it's okay in this movie. It, it becomes more t- tiresome later on. Mm-hmm. But I really like Wolverine learning to become like. Like a protector of this community mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. oh, it's time for me to put aside my shit and help the kids and or like the next generation. And like that moment, he's like, oh, there's more of these people than I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just it nice adds to his his decision at the end, which is great. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. The team splits up pretty early on and they don't come back together until the very end. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Rogue, uh, Storm and Jean hop in the jet to go follow Nightcrawler up to Boston. Yes. Right. The jet yeah. comes out of the yeah, basketball Boston. court. The yeah. jet that comes out of the basketball court. 
I don't know. I have mixed feelings. I really love this is my favorite X Men movie, but like it's a bummer that they're so. It's not unlike Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, where it mm-hmm. kind of splits them off on their they're own separate adventures. But it's it's funny favorite. you mentioned that because that is that was talked about a lot in the writers' room in terms of like wanting this to be the Empire Strikes Back I mean, story, which is why it ends on that sort of bittersweet moment. Um, yeah, right. much like Empire Strikes Back. I mean, yeah. you put three white nerds in a room together. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I mean, hopefully soon that won't be the continuous touchstone anymore. <laughs> right. But it'll age out. Yeah, it'll age out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, for a while there, for sure. Uh, and then uh, back at the government facility, yeah, we get uh, Mystique doing recon work as Senator Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Great so there sequence. was this, there was this right. moment I don't think I ever appreciated before today, where back when they were meeting Lady Deathstrike, Mystique like shakes her hand, like, oh, quite a handshake. Mm-hmm. And then later he like changes into Lady Deathstrike. Is it because mm-hmm. they like made physical contact? Oh, maybe, maybe. Hmm. Although I. Like I, I no, 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 because because she. Oh no, that's not true either. Yeah, yeah, I think you might be right. It might take physical contact of some kind. Great, I love Hacker Mystique. I love yeah. Hacker Mystique. I love the way that this whole sequence is filmed. I love that 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 they have the Lady Deathstrike character enter the same way when it's Mystique, and then when it's really her, like it's the exact same shot. It's the exact same hallway shot. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's her, and then the the way the tension builds with the music. Um. Uh, and then that poor janitor that is scarred for life. <laughs> He's right. going to be fucked up forever. <laughs> yeah. That's a real, like, uh, I know Reddit didn't exist yet, but that feels like a, like a, like a Yahoo story or like a, is this, are you scared story? Yeah. Yes. Yes. One time, yeah. he looked just like me. <laughs> I love Senator Kelly. When, when Mystique is first walking into that building as Senator Kelly, and mm-hmm. she starts sashaying, like kind of like swaying her hips around. And yep. I was like, I was like, oh, look at Senator Kelly's like fun walk. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> do you think, how, when do you think she lets it, when do you think she's just Mystique? Does she like go home, close all of the blinds mm-hmm. at Senator Kelly's house? Probably. Do you have family? Like, is he? I, I yeah, I don't know. Isn't the isn't wouldn't his family be like? Um, God, <laughs> she's she's living a whole life as Senator Kelly. That's yeah. the only way this exists. Uh, where are mm-hmm. those scenes? I want to see Mystique like Mystique like at, at Senator Kelly like going to going to her son's baseball yeah. game. <laughs> his, his wife is just like, why don't we make love anymore? And he's like, well, I've got I'm a busy man. <laughs> you, you kick so much now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so this is the scene because I wrote it down. This is the scene where after after the real Lady Deathstrike shows up and then she hears the noise and she turns around to the janitor and she says, "What are you doing in here?" That's it. That's her dialogue. That's the mm-hmm. only thing she says the yeah. entire film. Is it one really? The, yeah, one of the only non-white <laughs> actors in this movie, and she she says, "What are you doing in here?" to the janitor, and that is it. And it gets even kind of grosser as we, as we learn more about like the circumstances of her character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. She she has as much dialogue as the janitor. Yeah. <laughs> You're so right. You're so right. Yes. <laughs> garbage. <Definitely>. Garbage. <laughs> yeah, janitor has two lines because he says garbage in Spanish. He says in and Spanish garbage. and then he says garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh man. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we cut to Boston. I I really like Jane Storm going on a mission together. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I, I, like, I like the back. I it's like really when fun. like 
Yeah, when they're like over Kurt's echoing around in German and they're like, okay, fuck this. And they just like do a combo. <laughs> yes. Well, I also like too, it's like, could Gene just grab him, grab him with telekinesis? Yes, but what if we summoned lightning to break a supporting beam in this really ancient church and then he can fall down? Yeah. And we can just catch him. <laughs> but he should have just teleported as he was falling, genuinely, but whatever. Uh, they're like kind of nursing him back to hell, like looking at his scars. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get like a little nice bit moment. of Kurt's. Yeah, a little bit of Kurt's backstory. And yeah, mm-hmm. just. I mean, you know, it was a wildly reckless decision, but I mean, the dis- like casting Alan Cumming is pretty great. He brings yeah, a lot yeah. of gravitas mm-hmm. to Kurt. He is yes. uh, fluent in German, which is why Singer wanted oh. him so bad. Sure, that's why. That's the la- that's the only reason. <laughs> that's what he says. Um, so I'm So I, I haven't read nearly as much X Men comics as I, 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 Billy or Scott. Is like, is this kind of how Nightcrawler was in the comics? Minus is the he- scarring. Yeah, oh, the okay. scarring is is only for this film, and it's a weird choice because he's 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 furry in the in the comics. Yeah, um, which I think that would have just been a lot of special effects. I think it would have been yeah. too yeah. much. Um, and uh, I like the scarring, we hadn't though. made cats cool. yet, so the the special yeah. effects didn't exist. <laughs> they didn't. The, we weren't perfected. quite at twenty nineteen cats level of CGI yet. <laughs> but uh, uh, he's this is very much early Kurt. Um, he is uh, very Catholic. Um, which mm-hmm. is maybe why it wouldn't work out between me and him, unfortunately. But uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, all the religious stuff is there. But this is very much like like this is the story where Kurt is like recruited to the X Men because he is he is more goofy and lighthearted as a yeah, character. Yeah, like an X Men Evolution. Yes. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's much more of like a swashbuckling kind of character. Yeah, he he learns to sword fight, and there's even comics where he's got three swords, one in each hand and one in the tail. Like it's just yeah. he's just fun. You know, yeah. teleporting with swords, being a pirate, it's great. Yeah. He's uh, also, he's, he's also never this old. Um, I mean, the, the, <laughs> true, is, true. like, I, that's, that's my biggest problem with this series of X-Men mm. films is like, everyone is too old. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the yeah. implication was the X-Men cartoon happened in the eighties and this is them now in 2000 growing up, but there was an X-Men team that they were on. That's kind of implied in the first movie. Right. Um, and, and now, when, and now, weirdly, when you watch it, when they're like, remember, Charles, we used to, I'm like, oh, right, when you were Michael Fossbender and, and you were James mm-hmm. McAvoy. <laughs> right, right. Like, I, I feel like I was given our, our past guest, Wally, a fair amount of grief for looking for connective tissue between those two trilogies. But the more we watch, they do sink more than I, I thought they would have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is, we'll get to it. There is one cameo that, that drives a huge plot hole through Beast, but we'll get there. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Logan's having more Weapon X nightmares mm-hmm. where it looks like he's in a Saw movie. Yes. Everything's yes. like super like green. Dingy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> green, green filter. He wakes up, he walks around. I love him finding the little boy who can't sleep and can change the channel yeah. with, by blinking his eyes. Mm hmm. Yep. He's and he's like, I don't sleep or I never sleep, whatever the kid says. Yeah, that's a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I, would, I don't sleep. All I do is change the channels with my eyelids. I don't know I, what his other powers really are. And then it's really sad. I mean, we're about to go into this scene, but when the people are invading the school and he's like, Hi, basically, really innocently, yeah. just like, Hey guys, what's up? And then they shoot him with the the whatever the like tranquilizer, whatever it is that they shoot the that they're shooting them with. Yeah, yeah, it's a good that choice. Poor kid. <laughs> yeah, it's a really it's cool early on that the movie takes these moments to like make you care about each individual kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Like, you know, hey, these are just kids, like this kid's just is watching TV, you know, like little moments of humanity to really drive home like how barbaric the humans are in this. Yes. Yeah. 
I just I skipped like, over the Dr. Pepper scene on accident because no, you know, yeah. iconic, incredible scene. <laughs> Good choice. I, I it's weird that it's a little sensual that Bobby like blows into it. He doesn't well, just, yeah. <laughs> We get to that scene and I told my boyfriend I was like, this is my favorite special effect in this movie. And mm-hmm. then as soon as it happens, my boyfriend goes, Why couldn't he use his hands? COVID. <laughs> like, just like immediately. Yeah. Bobby could have just touched it, but he's like, No, mm-hmm. fuck this guy, get my germs. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's... it's a little, it's it's a little sexy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do want. To, well, and then in that scene in the kitchen, because Bobby's supposed to be like seventeen, mm-hmm. and Logan is what one hundred and twenty-seven. Yeah, and Bobby, without blinking, is like, I see how you look at Doctor Gray. You don't talk about your teachers this way, Bobby. What is going on? I'm I'm obsessed with Professor Logan. <laughs> yeah, if I went to a school, if I was like 11 or 17 and I went to a school where all of my professors were like hot adults that, that were, were all always, sleeping with each other? Yeah, and that all, all these triangle. I would, yeah, that was all that would be all we would talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine? They're just like in the hallways like so Logan came back and Scott Professor was Logan's really back. uptight about it, you know. Cyclops <laughs> looks weird. All the kids know their shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool. It's it's just really a really cool little quiet moment between mm. Bobby yeah. and yeah. Logan. I just we don't get scenes like this late no. in, in later movies. Mm-hmm. No. No, it's no. The, all the all the stuff with the, the the kids and Logan is really good. The the Pyro Iceman rogue of it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I have a theory about that and I think it the reason that we don't get a lot of scenes like that is because I think Fox leadership changed, and I think they were they see any scene like this as an opportunity to not spend money, mm-hmm. and so they're like no powers in these scenes. We yeah. save powers for action scenes that matter. Mm-hmm. This I doesn't see. matter. Yeah, so like I, that's what I think. That's interesting. That's, that's yeah, I never theory. thought about it like that. Yeah, it's like it's like a business decision. We always yeah. stop getting scenes where they're like, I'm going to make a little ice ball and throw it at my teacher's back. Right. They're <laughs> like, why would we spend money on that? Don't do that. Yeah, that's, a bummer. Yeah. that's what the people oh. like are those sweet little fun moments. It's yeah. what makes the X Men the X Men. I'm not worried yeah. about it now that we're moving to Marvel Studios at yeah. some mm-hmm. point with the future X Men movies. Mm-hmm. I think we'll get a lot more scenes like that. Yeah, but yeah. that's my theory about about Fox execs and why. Yeah, Bob, lost Bobby freezing all, all kinds of people's sodas. Yeah, mm-hmm. just constantly. <laughs> yeah, uh, pr- Scott and Professor X. I love calling him Scott. Uh, I do too. I do too. <laughs> They vi- they visit Magneto's plastic prison. We get our first Professor X Magneto scene of the movie. So good. I love There's... that he's immediately like, "What's wrong? <laughs> You've been you're under duress. What, what's yeah. up with you, man?" Well, yeah. he's hiding his bruises, and I don't think I ever caught that as a kid that the side of his face is all messed up. Right. And then he, yeah. when he, he like turns to Charles, and Charles is like, "That's not good, Eric, buddy, old pal." Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, I want we, you. I want you in here, but I don't want you abused while you're in here. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Charles is a little bit of like a goody goody, and I love it. <laughs> it's um, cool. They keep their you know even even you can their friendship still reads. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's just it's it. it's I mean you probably talked about this last episode. Brilliant casting, both of yeah. them. And yeah, then just yeah. a, the, that scene with the two of them in the prison, just having dialogue is so compelling because it's them. <laughs> Yeah. We learned that Jason Stryker's son was like a student at the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll learn more about him later. Yeah. So this is this is obviously a and change he's Legion, from right? the comics. Sorry, that's way he, off topic. Is he, but is he Legion? Isn't is that, that, that Le- Jason? Isn't that what Legion? Who he be like? The show uh, Legion is Jason. Oh, that's Professor X's son, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's that's, oh, okay. Never mind. Le- who, is oh, this, okay. Is, is Jason like a dude from the comics though, or is he just like he he's is. like a combination of people? Oh. Yeah, okay. yeah, a little bit like he's a little bit like the movie equivalent of Morph, where it's just like 
Okay. <laughs> like a couple of characters. Um, right. But 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 no, this is different because the origin of Stryker in the comic is that the reason that he went on this anti-mutant tirade is because his wife gave birth to a mutant who looked like a demon, basically, kind of like Nightcrawler, oh. but looked like this creature. He stabbed it in the heart and then killed his wife for giving birth to it. Oh my god. That was his origin. So he doesn't have a made, kid. They somehow made Stryker more likable in this movie than he is. In yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fun. Wild. Because he Damn. felt that, like God was speaking to him and telling him to do these things. God loves man carols. Yeah, right. <laughs> so Magneto's betrayal is revealed. Mm-hmm. Oh, and just, let's just, we just we gotta do one time. You should have killed me when you had the chance! Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. It's great. The whole cutting back and forth between the school and like Bobby and Logan talking, but then like mm-hmm. the soldiers coming as Professor X is like, oh, wait, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a cool, like, the audience feeling the floor falling out from under them. Yes. Totally. So, can you guys guess? What the massive thing cut from the script in the attack on the X Mansion was for budgetary reasons. Was it Beast? Um, no. <laughs> um, Pyro doesn't get a lot to do. That could have been cut. There's a lot of stabbing, which is great. I forgot how violent they let Wolverine be, and it actually yeah. made me grateful. It made me grateful for Logan. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. glad we got Logan. I'm glad we got to let Hugh Jackman finally like cut arms off. Yeah, um, that was great. Uh, uh-huh. Juggernaut. You're the closest. Okay. Oh, really? So far, yeah. Was it? Were they going to use Beast again? No, <laughs> no. So the answer is that originally the thing. So Stryker was presenting this thing to the president, and instead of being like, "We need to figure out more information. We need to bring them in. Whatever." Instead, he was like. We need to stop all mutants, and I have a way. They're called Sentinels. Oh, they and, were going to do Sentinels in this fucking and a movie. A Sentinel was going to attack the X Mansion, and it was going to be it was going to be a thing where the president was like, "Yeah, go ahead and build it." And he was like, "I got great news, Mister President. I already have." <laughs> um, and and that was going to be the thing. It wow. was going to be like from what? from the time of Weapon X to now, Stryker has invented Sentinels. Gotcha. Hmm. And so a sentinel was going to attack the X Mansion. It's a lot more expensive. And instead, yeah. they cut the sentinels and any reference to the sentinels, and instead just had an army, like a Black Ops team. Yeah, Black well, that's, Ops team. That's okay because we get we get something that I realized I loved as a kid and love now, which is that I mean the whole action sequence is incredible. I really love the school sequence with the kids. It's really upsetting to watch these soldiers shoot at children. It's uh, yeah. deeply unsettling. But there's that moment where Logan hides behind the wall. And he waits for the soldier to come up, and then he just fucking stabs yeah. him in the foot. But, and I yeah. love that so much. I don't know why that's my favorite moment, but yeah. he's just like, eat shit, there's your foot, and then <laughs> he hits. So no, the, the whole cool sequence is, it's a lot of fun, and it's just so yeah. X-Men. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. well, we get we get so many cameos. We get um, Banshee's daughter, Siren, that's where we get Siren. Mm-hmm. We get a, a, a pre-Elliot Page shadow cat. Uh, yeah. we get uh, the second get a, Elliot, the second chat, the second Kitty Pride of the move of the series, uh, right? Um, yeah. and then we get a uh, we get that he's not a great actor, but I know why he was cast. We get Colossus, <laughs> and uh, oh, uh speaking but, of sexual awakenings, um, wow, I forgot that guy is stacked, <laughs> but yeah. I will, I will argue that his cameo as Colossus is the best Colossus we've gotten in any X Men movie, just yes. that moment. 
is the most Colossus thing. Where he just walks in and he like slowly changes to metal and then he's like just looking at the bullets and then the and next then shot is the soldiers going yeah. through the wall. It's Hell great. yeah. It I, yeah, I remember the audience like flipping out when... Yeah, the Colossus is in this it's movie. It's great. Wow. And he's yeah. like protecting the younger kids and he has that moment with Wolverine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I can help you. you. Go with help them. them. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's yeah, and just like fun little moments. Like I, I remember thinking at some point, I think this is the closest we'll ever come to like what Steven Spielberg directing a movie like this would be like. Oh like, yeah, so much of the kids and so much of the school. It's all. It's the yeah. my favorite stuff is all the stuff with the like the, the little like the little bits of humor inside of mm-hmm. scary moments. Yeah, like like Kitty Pride like falling through the walls like through her bed and like running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really good. It's uh, yeah. And then like, like, there's something just so cathartic about yeah. It's so horrifying watching these kids getting like rounded up, like cattle and shot at. And then it's like really cathartic to see Wolverine just like rip these guys apart. Yeah. Oh yeah. What and, the like, yeah the the oh, it's so violent. I'm actually shocked. Like even the when it first it starts, when the one brutal. comes into the comes into the kitchen and Bobby hides and he pins the guy to the fridge. And when the guy's mm-hmm. gone, there's knife holes in the fridge. Yeah. Like he yeah. like went through him and I was like, Oh, we're, we're going in. And then the, I, um, I, the, the, the thing I love about that moment in particular is, is that he holds him there and he and just stares at him, at him until the, until <laughs> the light leaves his eyes. And then he lets him go And then he turns <laughs> to the 17 year old who was just giving him shit. And he's like, you cool. And Bobby, Bobby's just traumatized for life. And he's like, I guess. <laughs> I just watched one of my professors murder a guy. <laughs> Logan's like, "Don't worry, we got eight more of those coming." Because he's got the, the one two where the three of them almost get got, and he jumps from the banisters and, gets, and he's got yeah. the two on the ground, and then the two behind him, and he flips them over his shoulder, and it's uh, so good. Again, in so front of three kids, in front of three children, it's amazing. Striker comes. Striker is the only person in the in the movies to call him Wolverine. Yeah. Oh, you're so right. Oh wow! And and we get that sequence is great, and then oh, and yeah, the, the ice wall is so beautiful. Ice wall, ice wall is awesome. Now, yeah. is this? Do I remember correctly that like that was a real solid sheet of ice, and they had to lower it in from the ceiling? Like they had to take mm-hmm. the roof off to put it in for that scene. It looks That's like cool. real ice. It's real yeah. ice. That's so cool. It's sweet. I like when they touch hands. It's like almost mm-hmm. like tender. Yeah. Like, yeah, like Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, I, <laughs> I like I like that, and then I also like Cox being immediately over it, and okay. then just yeah. like, I'm going to tear yeah. this thing down. Take, All right. like, I don't have any grenades of my own. You got one here. Fuck this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they find a way to steal another one of Scott's cars. Yes, and it's a Mazda. <laughs> oh, yeah. As, as, as my boyfriend said, he was like, "Oh, Mazda, Mazda was, was getting funny. big." He was like, "In the middle of the Zoom Zoom marketing, here it is." <laughs> um. Yeah, they, they steal another one of Scott's cars, and the joke is that it's small and blue. I don't know. They're trying to emasculate uh, him. And, and is, this when, is this when we get in sync for a second? I could yeah. not believe this. Yeah, the bye-bye guy. This is the most dated thing in this entire yeah. movie, is they turn on the radio, we get a second and a half of bye-bye-bye, and all four of the characters go, I like, <laughs> hate it. <laughs> you know, I was personally I, offended by their dis- disdain of in sync playing on the radio. I feel like, uh, I feel like that we don't get that joke anymore. I think that joke kind of phased out. Yeah. Of, just yeah, like movies. radio. Yeah. But like cl- calling out, like, you know, like, oh, Justin Bieber. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think yeah. that was the end of it. I think Justin Bieber was the end of, of that. I think you're joke. so right. Yeah. We saw what it did to him and we were like, all right. We don't- <laughs> <laughs> right. He's just a person. Uh, Cerebro gets hacked. Yeah. And this yeah. is, I do have a question about this. Who did, who, whose eyeballs, what's happening here? How does this work? How do they get in there? I, uh, in my, in the movie, in my mind, they like, held open Patrick Stewart's eyes and like took a screen print of it. Oh, like in the Avengers when they have that poor guy at the museum whose eyeball they need. You know what I right. mean? Right. Yeah. And Loki's like, 
That's what they did. He's just, he's, they, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Filled in that plot hole for me. <laughs> that's, that's how it works in my head, anyway. <laughs> and then we cut to uh, a scene you were talking about earlier, Billy. Uh, Lawrence, the security guard, is at a bar. So uh, good. This whole uh, scene. We, I love this scene. <laughs> we, get a very, so we get a very human Hank McCoy. Uh, so when that happened, I was like, hey, boyfriend, look, that's cool. That's the Beast cameo in this. And he was like, hold on, but isn't this the same timeline as First Class? And I was like, yeah. And, he's, and he was like, but he turns blue at the end of First Class. And I said, stop asking questions. But he can, <laughs> he can change back and forth. Okay. All like right. a, like a, like a, I don't know. I don't, I don't even Whenever know. Whenever he wants a, to be like, Nicholas like Hulk. an incredible yeah. Hulk. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. But yeah, I do. I love the little Dr. McCoy cameo on TV. Mm-hmm. And we get Not Rebecca Romaine. Yes. Mm-hmm. Looking incredible in the, yeah, she, in the blue Drex dress that mirrors so the Mystique skin. Oh. That costume that she is wearing in the bar is impeccable. It's so good. Yeah. And she one has of my least, sequence. but also one of my least favorite prints on a dress ever is like a snakeskin kind of, a, <laughs> a, like the wrong color of a snakeskin dress, where like an electric blue. But it works. But I hate that print. <laughs> sure, it fits. It, was- it fits the moment in the character. But I'm like, anytime I see that coloring, like any l- cheetah print that's hot pink or anything, I hate it. But the whole <laughs> scene, and then like basically what it leads into with the iron is brilliant. Yeah, yes. the bathroom, the bathroom scene. Uh, yeah, the, the bathroom, bathroom scene. scene, which which when I was a kid uh, uh, and had a fundamental misunderstanding of, of of sex in all aspects, I was like, that's the men's restroom. <laughs> uh, okay. She can't go in there. Oh wow, <laughs> she's a mystique. She's a master she's, rogue. Thief. Yeah, she can do she, whatever. She can do whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and oh, we get the tidy whities too. It's just a, it's a ridiculous scene, and I love it every is. second of it. Yeah. <laughs> We cut to Alkali Lake, where mm. Professor X is being questioned by Stryker. We mm-hmm. meet Jason, who is like uh, in a wheelchair and like in a vegetative state, kind of. Or yeah, like very half- upsetting. Very, Everything very about sad. Jason is upsetting. Mm-hmm. He reminds oh. me a little bit of Donnie Wahlberg in The Sixth Sense, the opening of The Sixth Sense. Mm. He has that kind of vibe about him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is this is the scene too where Stryker gives the uh, the what happened after Jason came home from the school forgive the right, children the, the visions that he was putting in his parents's yeah and we, we get the line she took a power drill to her left temple in an attempt to oh, oh the image is out you have to yeah. say it like Brian Cox does because the line <laughs> delivery is exceptional it's so yeah. upsetting to hear him do this monologue and, and, and he blames great. all of this on Xavier. And like failing Jason, yes, mm-hmm. kind of like implying that it was your job to get the mutant fix. out of him or to yeah. like fix him. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then we get the reveal that Lady Deathstrike is also under Mind control, control. Mind and control, like snaps yeah. out of it and starts to realize her surroundings, and then he like drugs her again. And so I'm yeah. like, oh, so was she? What was she like before? We never get to learn. Like I don't know, it just like add this like really disturbing layer to the character, and even yeah. like. With how what what her fate is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's oh, I mean, that's deeply upsetting, uh, and yeah. we'll get we'll get to that. But yeah, it just just she's a very tragic character in this movie. Mm-hmm. The rest of this of this sequence where Stryker is using Jason to like brainwash, like manipulate manipulate Xavier into doing what he needs to be done, I just think is is interesting because i don't i don't know why he needs to do that instead of just using the the neck juice that he uses on everyone else ah i well doesn't i think he does do it to charles it's just i always just assumed that because charles is charles he can resist it for longer 
But I thought uh, he did get a little drop on the back of his neck. Did he? I don't yeah. remember. I might I be insane. I, I might just I, he might he might just be like, aha, but you know how telepathy stuff works. So here, two telepaths have fun. Dummy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I do. I, w- w- when we get to it, I love the sequence of Charles resisting it when we start to get into that. Mm, yeah. Uh, but um, then we cut then. to I think what is one of the more lasting parts of the movie's legacy. We we find out that Bobby's family also yes. lives in Boston. Right. Yeah, so this is my favorite. It, so he makes like the and I love that that shot before where he's like my parents live in Boston and he's like yes. shit like I yep. can't not say anything. Yep. We we go back to his family. He hadn't he hasn't told his family that he's a mutant, but his parents are gone. He hasn't come out to them yet. And this is why this <laughs> yeah. is the gayest X Men movie yeah. is because <laughs> this sequence is incredible and traumatizing. Yeah. So yeah. Before before Bobby's parents come home though, we get Bobby's extremely two thousands bedroom. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> There's yeah, like, I love it. There's the like snowboarding extreme... poster, but yeah, he's in Boston. Where are you going to snowboard? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and the scene with him and Rogue is really interesting because we, a very human, like two teenagers kind of testing the limits of their, how physical do we want to be? How sexual do we want to be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're able to kiss. We get that cute moment where she gets the ice breath. I love that. Yeah. It's cute. Uh, but then they're, they're just too horny. <laughs> just too it's too horny. much. <laughs> And he's like, oh, no, it's okay. It's it's fine. It's like he's yeah, nice about it. And I think that's good because in the first movie we see the like Rogue almost kills the guy and everyone's like such a dick about it. And Bobby's like, no, no, yeah. I knew this would happen. It was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's I think it's also important that we get the shot of Pyro looking at the happy family photos of Bobby's childhood because it tells yeah. us a lot about where Pyro Sad. comes from as a person. Yeah. yeah. No lines. No, no, no lines. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's just jealous of the nuclear family. Yeah. Right. Um, although, although, as we learn, no reason to be jealous. No reason. No, no reason. They all no. suck. They're all assholes. Uh, Logan um, the finds best, his way. Oh, no, the please. best family member is the cat that licks Wolverine's claws. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> and the frozen, the frozen tea. Honestly, when he started drinking the frozen tea, I was like, are they not feeding this cat? I know, right? <laughs> He's just desperate for anything. Yeah. They've been on, like, vacation, apparently. Like, they seem to have, like, come home from out of town or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're so. a church, Scott. Oh, oh so um, anti-mutant church. Are we? Are we into the scene with the parents on the couch? Are we there yet? No. Well, first, Billy. Okay. We I knew get, there's one more. Uh, we get Magneto's escape from the plastic prison. Right? Oh my god! Of course we do. We can't skip that. Yeah, is, um, it's so brilliant. The shot. I mean, yeah, the, the iron in your blood reveal. Uh, so can we smart. talk about the fucking power combo of Magneto and, and Mystique? Yes. Yeah. They're the dynamic duo. The shot where he starts to smash the, the, the doors and it falls and you just see him revealed as it falls like little raindrops. Oh, it's... Yeah. I think the most Magneto thing I've ever seen is when he's like floating on the little disc. And yeah, yeah, his arms and the, across. And the two other orbs are orbiting him. It's, it's the incredible. most super villain he ever yeah. gets to be. Yeah. It in is a, comic book personified. I was going to yeah. say, yeah, in a movie series that's sort of like, hey, we don't want to look too much like a comic book because that's lame. It's just like this really cool, unabashedly like comic yeah. book moment. Breaking oh, yeah. out of prison when he's floating and then he takes the two orbs in his hand and he just does a little, huh, and he's like so happy to be murdering these mm-hmm. guards that have been fucking with him. He's like getting joy out of it. I yeah. love this sequence. It's so good. I, I forgot how good it was and I watched it open mouth last night. Just like, yeah. this is so and I think, good. And I think the audience is right there with him mm-hmm. because like, he's been cooped up the whole movie. Yes. Well, and I just, I just love Asley, you know, we talk about the partnership of, of Mystique and Magneto. I just love, as a partnership, that Mystique is just like, I could break him out. 
but I'm gonna let him break himself out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just gonna give him the this. means to break she himself easily, out. She easily could have knocked this guy just out, taken Morris. his clothes, dressed up like him, been yeah. him, got it, and busted him out. And she was like, "No, let him have his moment. Let him yeah. <laughs> do this incredible <laughs> stunt and get Too much out." Iron in your blood. He needs it's to feel so like himself good. again. Yeah. <sighs> Let him have then, his moment. He deserves it. And then, yeah, we Bobby's family comes home. They find Wolverine. They're in the living room. And this was always, like, the scene that started the trailers. Oh, was of, it? Like, Bobby coming out to his family and, yeah. like, have you ever tried not being a mutant? That yeah, line yeah. is the, 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 a work of genius. I, I read somewhere, and this might be wrong, that, like, Ian McKellen helped make this scene more gay or, like, to make it more like a coming out scene. Oh, that's great. Mm. Um, because it's, I mean, it's explicitly yeah. a queer coming out scene. And I, yeah. I love it so much. And, then, and that line, I, I say it every yeah. time I watch this movie, have you tried not being a mutant? It's uh, so good. I love Rogue how supportive she is like bobby is gifted like uh pyro being defensive in his own way mm-hmm. it kind of says a lot about each of them how they defend bobby or when well, they speak up even logan because she says uh, uh, uh this someone says this mutant problem and logan says what mutant problem yeah. he's all he's on the defensive too it's really my favorite scene in this movie it really is it makes yeah. the whole thing it humanizes it all it does the real world parallels and it really puts them uh they have all these superpowers much like all gay people and it really puts <laughs> them on the on the back foot like they they have all the power in this scene except they don't and it's mm-hmm. so it's yeah. so cool to watch that these normies that's true <laughs> yeah like yeah they the energy out of the room yeah, we have, like, a dude with metal claws and can never die. We have a dude that can make fire and ice. A girl who can, like, s- absorb any of their powers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yet they're the ones that are pitching their right to exist to mm-hmm. these, like, four random white people in Boston. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, God, his brother's such a piece of shit. Oh, Ronnie. Yeah. 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 No <laughs> lines of dialogue. Just goes upstairs and calls the I, police. I, it's just right, straight right from the couch to the cops. Yeah. <laughs> Because freezing, freezing the tea was just too much. Too he was much. like, just, just too this weird, freak man. in my house because he just, just, just immediately, tea. immediately is just like every minute I spent with my brother is worthless now. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's, he's such a dick. <laughs> he's, he's, and then and then the fact that his parents are like cuddling him and coddling yeah. him when they I really yeah, like real, he's uh, our favorite son now. That's yeah, what that yeah. has at the end of that sequence. Not to, like, real real Joffrey energy. This kid, <laughs> yeah. Like not to jump ahead, but it's kind of something that I really appreciate about the end of that sequence is kind of again like maybe this has something to do with Ian McKellen having a firsthand voice of you know experience of like yeah. Bobby doesn't get what he wants the family doesn't accept him mm-hmm. no nope. nope, not at all and unfortunately i think that's something that like a lot of a lot of people in the in the lgbtq community they don't always get what they want out of their their birth family but Bobby which is has his x-men he has his found mm-hmm. family yeah, yeah. Oh, um, i love it's it good stuff i love it uh we get we we'll, we'll back a little bit uh, the x-jet we get a cool moment between Kurt and Storm. I think the most Storm we get in the movie. Yeah. Um, I really it's a like nice her scene. Ca- it is a really good scene. I like like the faith versus... Mm-hmm. I like how like Storm's like angry and Kurt challenges that anger. And um, yeah. But the scene ends with Storm being like, I, I'm not going to apologize for that. Like I have a reason to be angry. Yeah. yeah. Angry, angry is the reason I'm alive. Mm-hmm. That one's great. And I, I do like the, the, her kind of questioning his belief in God. Whereas I personally feel, based on what Storm's powers are, 
she's pretty close to a god herself. Like her powers oh, yeah. are ridiculous. Yeah. And it's like she's she's he's a nice foil to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh Wolverine finally figures out what he found this weird X phone in Scott's Mazda. <laughs> I want Scott's one of them. Mazda. That little flip phone. He's so like cool. trying to figure out what it is. Yeah. yeah. What oh. is this? When it goes off during the super awkward coming out meeting, he's like, and he doesn't know it's it. his. That's like, so oh, funny. Oh. That's that his comedic timing is just so good. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh he Jackman's really good in this one. Yeah. Yes, he really he, is. Yeah. He's, is there one where he's not really good? I that's what I, I was like. I think he's He's consistently very good. I think that's yeah. probably why they gave him a movie entitled <laughs> yeah, Logan. He, yeah. <laughs> he throws his heart and soul into this character, and I think he earned that that final film. For yeah, yeah. Just, he already wears him so comfortably. This could easily yeah. be just like a parody of a dude. Mm-hmm. Yes, with his like plaid and his and like hair and the cigar. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know the, the moment like where the cat is licking his claws, I think really mm-hmm. adheres him to uh, yeah the best. Then yeah, the cops come. They shoot. <laughs> Wolverine in the, the head. head. Uh, yeah. And then without hesitation, he just shifts the gun over to another one of them. Yeah. And then yep. Really shouting, great commentary orders. on the police here. Uh, yep. Maybe not mm-hmm. intentional, but uh, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm a little bit on Pyro's side. I know he gets out of control. I know it, it gets to be too much, but uh, I don't it's think... A great scene. It's, it's pretty, a great yeah. scene. It's pretty uh, provocative, I guess. I don't know if yeah. a Marvel movie would... I don't know. The idea of like the hero of the movie... A, a, someone who's been presented as like a good guy yeah being mm-hmm. like fuck the police yeah you guys suck yeah and then it being like a cool moment yeah yeah i mean well, they I point mean, blank shot wolverine in the head in front of yeah, everybody yeah. I mean, I, and he was like they don't care they're just you know no. that was kind of like a breaking moment for him yeah so. i mean i think it's it's very similar to what they did with killmonger in black panther in mm. terms of like you're on this guy's side Until but also killing. like yeah the things that he's doing is bad but also you totally get why mm-hmm. it's he's going so far and mm-hmm. why he feels the need to do this so that's why i'm like i'm like kind of hyped for them to yeah. like deal with brotherhood stuff in marvel studios that's true that's yeah well, and there's that thing too where we come out of this scene that for me is you know we've got this very like queer parallel coming out scene and then we have the cops making everything worse and then Mm -hmm. everyone's like just let them do their thing just stop and he has the line where he says he says you know those mutants you hear about on the news i'm the worst one and it's just it's like i'll be exactly what you think i am you pieces of shit and i really like that motivation for pyro he's written very well for a supporting character he's got he's great in this yeah i think that's why his arc is so satisfying Mm -hmm. at the end of this movie and one of the reasons why x3 is such a freaking disappointment (laughs) Uh, next week on franchise (laughs) Uh, i love rogue taking the moment to be like no and she like Mm -hmm. takes takes the glove off stops pyro stops the fire Mm -hmm. yeah putting out the fire is very cool her nice vintage gloves yeah. Oh, yeah. Grandma, Grandma Bobby mm-hmm. Drake's gloves. Yeah. Is that weird? Is that weird that he like gave her? It's a little strange, but yeah. it, aesthetically, <laughs> they looked really cool. <laughs> they do. Yes, they do. I, that's one thing we haven't mentioned yet. She looks dope in this movie. Like, oh, yes. yeah. She, she looks, looks great. great. Yeah, the Ro- hair. Yeah. Oh, man. The hair looks great. They're always putting her in green to yeah. like mm-hmm. sort of like evoke reflect. The, yeah, yeah, evoke the comic. Exactly. Oh, I love it. Anyway. <laughs> uh, the X jet arrives just in time into the cul-de-sac. It's <laughs> severely cul- out of place. Almost looks like it doesn't fit. Mm. I love uh, it. They, they climb up. We get the family. I always really liked the moment where Kurt tries to pitch himself. himself. <laughs> yeah, and Wolverine's like, "Save it." Yeah. Kurt Wagner, well, but in the Munich Circus, I was known as the Incredible Nightcrawler. 
uh, yeah, it, it's funny because he's inter- he's interrupted by by Logan in the scene in the movie, but in the trailers, it's a different take because he completes his thought of like oh, I was the incredible Nightcrawler goes through the whole thing and then Wolverine's like save it, but in the movie they they, they use a take where he interrupts him. I don't know. Yeah, just that a, works. Yeah, it's it's cool. Mm. Jason manifests like I think it was interesting how like he tries to like invade Professor X's mind. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, that doesn't work. Oh, but you know what will work? Professor Xavier will always help a little mutant child that needs that needs it. Yes. So I'll like create this little girl that's like lost. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I real I really like that. I like that whole sequence. Mm-hmm. I never got that this was a little girl. I always thought it was just a little boy with long hair, and I thought it was supposed to be Jason as a child. Like I did too. I think totally, I, yeah. when I was a kid, I thought that's that as well. But now it feels, and honestly, now because the movie is as queer coded as it is in places, there's almost like a like a feeling of like transgender awareness mm, that yeah. is not not even explored a little bit, but could have no. been <laughs> absolutely because there is that moment at the end where the little girl says, "Oh, he's going to be mad at me." So yes. it's like, "Oh, it is that is Jason, right?" Yes. Yeah. So like that is interesting. It's, that that yeah. was like a yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah. The jets get attacked. Oh. The X-Jet gets attacked by the planes. Yeah. The tornado sequence is very cool. Yeah. yeah. The tornado, yeah, tornado sequence is great. It's her using her powers. God. Oh, and then and then the, the stress and the, the uh, yet again, the performance from Famke Jensen is just as she realizes she's not quick enough to stop the last rocket. Mm-hmm. And and she's like, we're fucked. Like, she knows, she knows it before the rest of them do. Oh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. Nightcrawler saving Rogue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great sequence then, for getting sucked out, Bobby losing his shit. And then Magneto saving everyone, stopping the plane from crashing. Yeah, that's great. I love the little moment where Magneto's like, look at these fucking assholes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, can't, they can't handle themselves, these idiots. Yeah. What would they do without me? <laughs> and then we get this little sequence. I forget what the order of events in this camping sequence is. like overnight camping, camping sequence. All of it. Yeah, yeah you know, it's great. But there's that little moment that is just a very specific to this era of superhero films, comic book films, is the scene where Nightcrawler and Mystique have their little conversation where Mystique ends it with being like, we shouldn't have to, we or, have you know, to, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, that sequence is literally just there because they're just like, well, Nightcrawler is Mystique's son in the comics. He's not mm-hmm. in this, but we're going to hint at it and, and yeah. poke you in the ribs and think like, well, maybe he is. You don't yeah. know. Yeah. Look, yeah. That's one of my favorite little scenes in the whole movie where yeah. like Mystique's whole philosophy in like one line. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's and and again, because I realize how influential this is to me as, yeah, and, and as like a queer person. It's why if you could hide all the time, why don't you? And then she says, because we shouldn't have to. And it's mm-hmm. like. There it is again. That line yeah. hit me in the gut this time. It was It's a really good line. It's, it's a good. really good line. It's a great use of the scene that I'm talking about, where mm-hmm. in all the superhero movies, you know, you would have these little scenes of like little hints and whatever to like comic book lore that they're never going to pay off. But here they use it like doubly. They're like hinting at the fact that they are related in the comics, but then here they're just like, but we're actually going to like have like a pointed scene, which is like really great. Yeah. We have to talk about, we have to talk, oh my, I, I, I remember my parents talked about this scene when we saw it as kids, when they're sitting by the fire, and Magneto is talking, and all we have next to him is Mystique's boobs and stomach, <laughs> and she's framed literally as a sex object, just to yeah. stand there, and it's deep, I don't, it's a banana's choice 
Yeah. Uh, and I don't like it. And I was reminded of it again as I was watching it. And I was like, she's right there. She's just standing there with no head. It's a, yep. it's a baffling decision. There's another sequence like that, too, where they're like walking out of Cerebro later in the movie where mm-hmm. her head is cut off and you just see her butt. Yes. Um, and you're yeah. like, why? And it's just like, <laughs> why are we doing this? Yeah. We got a little bit of man eye candy, though, with Colossus and with, uh, with uh, Logan in that tank top for so long. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm tempted to forgive it, but I won't. Yeah. Uh, this is where a lot of like plot gymnastics is thrown of like yes. this is where we have to go this is where the finale is going to be mm-hmm. and speaking of Empire we get a really interesting scene between Gene and Wolverine where like they, they have like their big Empire Strikes Back kiss mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but then Gene's like She's no I'm like, Scott. I love him <laughs> yeah. yeah okay I need stability right. not you being hot and I actually love you <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Yeah, her her lines are interesting because she's like, "You're the bad boy, but I love you, but you don't fall in love with the bad boy." Yeah, and like um, it's like I said, the women are written poorly, but the performances save it. It's yeah, like, mm-hmm. it's like so she's I, really selling it. But yeah, she <laughs> every scene, it, almost every scene she's in, it's just about Jimmy Marsden and Hugh Jackman. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, in some capacity or. Professor Xavier. <laughs> and when we get to like where she ends the movie, it's like, God, what what more could we have done to like bring her to that yeah. place that yeah. isn't just like like boy drama? And then all we get is them just being sad afterward. It's like it's about them still. They're like, Oh, but she's dead. Uh, anyway, we'll get there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or even later on in Logan's tent, Mystique comes oh, yeah, disguised that- as Yeah. And like hooks up with him and then it's like, I can be anyone you want. I can be Halle Berry. I could be and yeah, a Paquin. Flashes through everybody. <laughs> and then it cuts back to Logan when she's rogue. And mm-hmm. he has like this weird moment of like, huh? and I'm like, what's that supposed to mean? Yeah. Like, I yeah. mean, my favorite moment is that she ends by turning into Brian Cox. And it's like, you just screwed up his, yeah. his whole night. <laughs> what what was, was what a, was her end game there? Like what was if it this had worked, know. what what was gonna happen? Right. Like was she acting on I've been into you ever since you stabbed me on Liberty Island, or is it like I wanna fuck with you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? It, I don't understand why this sequence exists, other than no. just to have it's two cool. hot people make out. <laughs> it is cool. And but also yet again, Mystique the only reason she does this is to give Logan character development, which is when she turns into Brian Cox and is like, What do you really want? And then he starts making out with Brian Cox. It's a weird moment. Yeah, that, was, <laughs> that, that five minute scene. <laughs> but just, yeah. but yeah, it's like literally this whole weird uh, sex of mix em up is just to get to that moment so he can confront mm-hmm. the Brian Cox of it all again. And you're like, right. All right. Well, yeah, I'm moving and, on. You know, I think the X Men are at their best when they're like messy and sexy. But yes, yeah, I think messy and sexy. And speak, and we uh, back on the jet. I've always I love that moment where Magneto and Mystique are just like the kids at the party that aren't friends with anyone, and they're like <laughs> just openly like snickering and whispering. Yes. What? 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 Magneto, we love what you're doing with your hair, and Mystique's like cracking up. He goes, he slowly becomes more of a prima donna as this movie comes on. I genuinely think Magneto was, or uh, Ian McKellen was like, I can play Magneto gay in this one. And that's literally just what he's doing as he gets, especially as soon as he gets the cape back and he can like do flourishes with it. He's having the time of his life. Yeah, that's the moment. Is this when, is this when we get the moment with him and Pyro or does that happen later? No, this is when they're going to land at Alki Lake is, uh, yeah, yeah. 
you are a god among insects and don't let anyone tell you differently. It's great. And it's and like good. and yeah, like the, it works on a level of like Magneto is telling Pyro what he feels in his heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More more than the X-Men. And I love how the movie treats that as valid and not necessarily a villainous turn. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then also to go back to the allegorical stuff, Ian McKellen as this elder in the community telling this young man, be yourself, what's your real name? Right. Yes, you know? that's mm-hmm. a great moment. What's your real name, John? <laughs> I, I think that's <laughs> largely why Ian McKellen, I think, is playing Magneto so much gayer in this movie than the last one, because yes. it fits thematically with what's going on. Like, yeah. 100%. it fits so well. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to become more of myself in this movie. Right. I'm not going yes. to become more straight or more masculine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's great. It's uh, so good. We find out that the kids are being imprisoned back on the base. Yeah, it's bleak mm-hmm. as hell. <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah, no, it's yeah. Like Striker, Striker's like an evil dude. Uh, <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> He's not very nice. <laughs> I love whenever Wolverine thinks because like they're they're trying to go over what the plan is, like how they're going to save the professor and everybody. And Wolverine's always like, "Well, I'm the protagonist, so her Durham." And he was like, "Shut yeah. up!" Like we're sending Mystique <laughs> yes. in. He's <laughs> like, "I'm going to save the day." He's like, "Yeah, what's your plan? What are you going to do to save the day? You think you can do this by yourself? You." dumbass yeah no yeah and wolverine's like i'm just gonna wing it yeah yeah we're not no there's no way you can't do this and also also you go in there by yourself you're gonna instantly get distracted as you do (laughs) during the team up yeah yeah 100 does (laughs) yeah he bounces Um, within the first five minutes of them being there and the plan starting and he's like oh i'm gonna go figure out my past bye (laughs) and leaves we talked about a little bit but like mystique taking out the slide That it's a great action oh, sequence. So good. It's Striker saying, I know mine work. Shoot that thing or whatever. He knows it's not Wolverine yeah, right away. I know my own work. Yeah. And her <laughs> her really pushing the PG 13 with the middle finger slide out the closing doors. It's so, so good. So good. Uh, oh. it, I mean, I don't know what her skin is made of, but she's slippery apparently. And, <laughs> and she like, yeah, when she like barricades in the room and she's like, we're, you know, we're in. And then she, we get a second hacker mystique. It's so second. good. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and her little, when, when, they, when they try to blow the door and she's just kind of like, did they? They didn't. Back to hacking. <laughs> <laughs> At that little moment where Wolverine's like, she's good. And Magneto's like, yeah, she's, yeah, she's good. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> I don't associate myself with anything less than great, you dumbass. <laughs> I think they really That's the- incorrect. He associated himself with Toad and Sabretooth in oh, the last movie. <laughs> It's crazy how like they didn't lose a beat with minus two members in this movie. Yeah. I forgot about them. Again, it's been a long time since I watched the first one and I yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've completely for forgot. Sure. Yeah, Mag- he's he's doing better for himself with his friend group now. <laughs> uh, the, uh, Professor X starts connecting <laughs> I'm to I'm sorry, I just love the idea of like Toad and, and Sabretooth showing up and be like, hmm, funny. I don't remember you two trying to break me out of prison. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> just sending them on their way. Mystique hacked into the Pentagon. <laughs> yeah. What have you been? doing yeah i was Uh, like i've been in the hudson for two years (laughs) and and yeah like as soon as the x-men come in and start looking for the professor who's like starting to turn on cerebro 2 yeah wolverine just bounces he leaves his headset he leaves doesn't even know what's going on he could have kept that and just not been responding to everybody and so he like was in the loop on what was going on but now he's just like my group text going off the grid i did write down too uh you say he thinks he's the striker is playing it like he's the the head of the minister of defense minister of defense what is this england 
but Secretary of Defense. <laughs> and it's, it's like, yes, yes, I have all of the Pentagon's budget. I'm building my own Cerebro. Bring me all of the rusted metal you have. <laughs> like, why yeah. does this Cerebro look like shit? It's but, real busted. <laughs> he's stealing money from the military-industrial complex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So honestly, is he a hero? Maybe. Um, right. <laughs> Jean's walking around looking for Logan, I think, right? Uh-huh. And yeah. she comes across evil Cyclops, yeah. evil, evil which is a cool, like, it's a cool oh, reveal where he enters frame back of the neck first. Yes. So yeah. You know you what's see, up immediately. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, really that's cool. great. And that's, that's when I started to go, oh, Ian's, Sir Ian's really going all gay on this. Cause he's got the, he's like, he talk, looks at me and he's like, let's leave this lover's quarrel. And they just like, <laughs> bow, let him fight. I love that moment. It's like <laughs> almost the poison ivy line. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, lovers quarrel, amazing. Uh, it's very an intro. I mean, Gene wipes the fucking floor with Cyclops. Oh, it's yes, <laughs> it's a very no. short fight. She like dodges a couple beams and then kicks his ass. Like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, what? And he's I like, just, whoa, just... what? That I could see what I was he, doing, but he I says couldn't that stop. Really well. It was really sad. I think he's just happy to be in the movie again. <laughs> Man, he's like, I've been sitting in my trailer for weeks. <laughs> he's he's got to have a whole hour without screen time. I swear, he's gone for an hour. Oh yeah. yeah. Wow. Logan kind of explores the the level, I guess, of like his his origins and he's having Mm -hmm. more flashbacks. Lady Deathstrike and Striker find him. I used to think you were one of a kind. So good. Yeah, it's a very two thousands fight. Yes. But like Mm -hmm. in a good way. It's just the yeah. bet with the height of like that kind of matrix wire foo stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's that it's well, it's the reveal of her claws is exceptional. And I do love mm-hmm. I love the fingernails, even though, as my boyfriend pointed out, he was like, She's like the second version, right? I feel like this is worse than claws. Yeah, I feel like yeah, this it is worse. Away. <laughs> this is way way more cumbersome than what Logan's got. Yeah. My, um I think my favorite moment in this fight is when he stabs her through the chest. And then she heals for the first time and then mm-hmm. walks up his body and just yeah. ye- like just like yeets backward. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's and the way the way they keep cutting back to the bubbling adamantium as yeah. foreshadowing, they keep jumping to that. And then and then it's the realization of the fight. audience that if anyone ever could kill Wolverine, it would be her. And when she gets him on the tray, has her claws in his neck and is just picking at his back oh, and they have the shot of yeah. blood dripping into the pool and you're oh, like yeah. oh this he's in pain i yeah. don't like seeing logan in pain i don't yeah. like this at all that's great that yeah. whole yeah. thing when she and just like get- stabs him a bunch at once with all yes. her blood. So oh, the blood where she's oh yeah that's right at the beginning too where she like blocks his claws and then just goes and you're like yeah. out yeah like a prison <laughs> shank like just yes. like yes yeah oh my god yeah and then we get the shot that traumatized me as a child which oh. is the adamantium coming out of her eyes and mm-hmm. nose and mouth yeah yeah and like the movie even goes out of its way to like show her waking up yes and seeing logan realizing what he's done realizing that she was mind controlled and this was his only choice and oh she's not this person mm-hmm. but it's too late it's horrible <laughs> yeah. yeah it's very sad it's sad, and it adds, like, nuance to this. Again, she has one line. Yeah, she was really screwed over. <laughs> it weirdly just kind of, like, emphasizes her dehumanization in a mm-hmm. weird way. She be- yeah, she becomes a human, again, too late. And then brilliant sound design when her head hits the bottom of the tank and it clunks cool. because oh, you she's feel full the of metal. It's yeah. hard. That's- yeah, it's really upsetting and very I've good. I've never <laughs> forgotten that sound since I was 12 years old. Like, yeah. nope, never, never left yeah. my mind. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Really Dang, good. that whole fight is really cool. 
Magneto this... and Magneto and Mystique are bailing, and then Pyro sees them leaving. Right. After, yeah. 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 Because we got the uh, he pulled all the pins. He pulled all the pins on oh, the soldiers. Oh, we get the grenade. Yeah. Yes. That's it's an so all-timer. cool. Yeah. Um, that's a- yeah, Magneto moment. That's yeah. a good moment, too. Yeah, because they're so prepared. They're so cocky. They've got all their guns trained around the corner, and he's just mm-hmm. like, nope. And then we have, uh, as my boyfriend pointed out, the slightly ridiculous scene of all Magneto had to do is walk in, go to Jason, and be like, hey, switch it to kill all the humans. But instead, we have to have this weird sequence of him rearranging Cerebro for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, it's not like, like he's it? improving it. It's just the panels are shifting to different spots. I don't right to the empty spots. All the full yeah. spots are being shifted to the empty spots. Yeah, yeah. He's reversing the polarity. You see. Yeah, yeah. Can't like simply just, just do whisper. something interesting. Yeah, it looks cool. I'll give yeah. it. That. It, did, it, it is. Cool. It looks really cool. I if it was to improve the surroundings and make it look more, uh, you know, extra- extravagant. But no, it's just shifting things because he can. Yeah. I think we jumped uh, past one little moment I wanted to talk about, which is when Jason and Xavier are in Cerebro. We've had the whole movie of of Stryker saying, my son is dead, and this is just mutant Mm -hmm. X-23 or whatever he is. Mm -hmm. And then he comes to Jason's ear and he says, he says Jason, he says his name, and it's like all the daddy issues fuel everything. And it's, it's great and really upsetting. Yeah, really no, Stryker's a great villain. The, the dark, the dark Cerebro, which is what they called that, Okay. Shitty Cerebro. Um, <laughs> the dark Cerebro. So when he is trying to kill all the mutants, and before Magneto comes in and shifts all the tiles around so he's <laughs> killing humans, we're seeing like the Cerebro look at all the mutants, right? And you're seeing these little hologram kind of like mutants sort of like collapsing in pain and stuff. Mm-hmm. Originally, that was also going to cut to footage of mutants being affected by this and large public spaces where like 10% of the people would like uh, just okay. suddenly collapse to the floor. Mm-hmm. And one of those clips was going to be a cameo of Gambit. You were going to go to Louis- to swamp. New Orleans and you were going to see a guy in the trench coat playing cards and then, um, uh-huh. y- yeah, gets right. And then gets- <laughs> Get, gets hit by the thing. He was being played by one of the stunt coordinators. Apparently, they shot this, and then when they cut all of the live action footage of this and just stuck with the Cerebro footage, mm-hmm. um, yeah. the the cameo ended up on the on the cutting. Room. I don't even know if that would have registered. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, and 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 Gambit is such a fan favorite, and I just want to go on record to say he's such a cheesy character, and he I is. don't know why all you straight people like him so much. <laughs> um, I, he, he loves Rogue. He he's uh, that's true. He's that is good. That is true. That's nice. I I very much do not understand the Gambit thing. Thank you. Our guest last week, Wally, Gambit is his favorite character. Yeah. And uh, he explained why the character means so much to him personally. But uh, I just, I don't get it at all. He's from a ring of Cajun thieves that roam the swamps of Louisiana. causing And And his power is he can convert kinetic energy to make it stronger. And he uses that to throw cards at people. Like you have so many other options. Yeah. You okay. could throw heavy things. Yeah. yeah. Think uh, of, you know, or spherical things. So you don't have yeah. to be good at throwing the very niche talent of throwing cards. But <laughs> I, just, I just would like to see a movie oh. where he's like not great at it and they just like go to the sides and like he's got to go five <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, wow. deck. Uh, yeah. So Wolverine accosts Striker and like does the under the arm stab, which I thought, always thought seemed very painful. Brian Cox yes. really sells it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. It hurts. It hurts to watch and I like it. I also noticed too, this is what he says. How does it feel, bub? And he said bub earlier in the movie and it never struck me that that's the only thing I don't 
buy from Hugh Jackman is when he tries to say bub the way Logan says bub in the comics and they do it yeah. twice in this movie. Mm. But I do like how does it because he's trying to say it like hopefully the audience won't notice I just said bub. How does it feel bub? Yeah, he, that's the thing is he never says it with his chest. He always yeah. kind of like sneaks sneaks it out. Yeah. yeah. It's true. We get a, a chunk of Wolverine flashback stuff where he's like if mm-hmm. only you knew how how bad Wolverine Origins is. <laughs> <laughs> he beckoned me to uh, all the stuff with Stryker at the helicopter and then later to the wall is is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that Logan just leaves him there. He's like, yeah, maybe yeah. he'll just die. And that'll well, be fine. He, uh, yeah, he kind of challenges him because like the dam's breaking and mm-hmm. Stryker's like, look, you and I in the audience know that you only care about your flashbacks and your like story mythos. So yeah. like, you roll with me, we escape, you get all the flashback stuff you want. Yeah. But you got to bail on your X-Men friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not today, Satan. Not today. So then, and then we get we get Magneto yeah. leaving after he says his his uh, tragic goodbye to Charles, um, yeah. which I love. I love when they explore that. The X Men are all gathered finally. The whole team's together. Yeah, even the kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also this is every time I watch this movie too. I do not notice Nightcrawler's costume until this sequence, and then I notice how fucking cool it is, and that we never got a good shot of it until this. With all the little like sparkly dots, his like yeah. circus outfit that he's got in this yeah. sequence oh, is yeah. so cool, and I want like a full body. Let's just appreciate the outfit, but we never get it. <laughs> and he he gets kind of his cool hero moment where Storm's like, "Hey, I need you to teleport literally just like ten feet that way." Like, no, I can't. <laughs> scary. And like, I have faith in you. And mm-hmm. I like it. It's they both, good. I they like it too. It. Yeah. But literally, when he teleports, I'm like, yeah, you're, you're going straight, man. Like, <laughs> it's right through, there. One, through a door. Just go straight through. <laughs> yeah. Storm like lowers the room that like the freezing, like makes the room freeze. Yeah. Mm. And Nightcrawler has to just deal with it. <laughs> I do like that Nightcrawler is like, she's like, it's going to get very cold. And he says, I'm not going anywhere. And then very quickly, he's like he's on, the, on ground the ground shivering. <laughs> yeah. like me. He's like, I <laughs> want to like, be anywhere else in here right now. <laughs> I remember the helicopter flying off, Magneto and Mystique escaping with Pyro's there. That got me as a kid. Yes. Mm-hmm. Of like the idea of a kid, a person starting the movie as a good guy, ending it as a bad guy, mm-hmm. but you feel it, you feel for him. You you're like understand like, why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like being so pumped for how they were going to keep this going and resolve that of like, Oops. oh, what, what is Bobby going to do? What's Ro going to do? And then, yeah. you know, X Men yeah. 3 being what it is. I, oh, no. I, um, I also like, though, with this whole sequence to where Magneto and, and uh, he then uses his powers to tie up Stryker even better, which I like. He's like, Logan, you did a shit job. He's going to get out of this. Let me put him on this wall. That's um, not it, how you... It's, it's a, a nice moment where Magneto reclaims his title as villain of the movie. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. like standing over Stryker and he's like, did you forget this was an X-Men film? I'm Magneto, bitch. Like, <laughs> You'll never be worse than me. Yeah, like when he when he switches to like kill all the humans, it's so perfect uh, that yeah, yes. like oh good, he's not like a good guy yet. He's, <laughs> he's still-, still doing his Magneto shit, and I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah, the whole plot of Striker of like wanting to kill all the mutants by using Xavier to do it—that's all in God. God loves man kills. Okay, mm-hmm. the difference just being that like. Magneto uh, joins the X-Men like he does in this movie, but he does not try to like flip the switch or anything. He's okay. just like, I'm just going to kill this guy. And they're like, no, don't do that. <laughs> and he's like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to leave then. They're like, all right, fine. And that's, that's kind of it. So like, I do like this additional sort of uh, mm. added yeah. thing of like, 
no, no, no. It's not just that the X-Men d- deserve to exist. They do. But also, they are heroes. So they do need to save the day. Yeah. yeah. As well. Although, although they, uh, 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 Kurt teleports Storm out, and then he teleports Xavier out, and then he doesn't teleport Jason out. And he gets yeah. crushed by a rock. And yeah. that just felt a little weird even more so this time. I was like, is he not a victim? Are Professor we not rescuing? X, pr- Professor X making full eye contact with Jason before. Yeah, as he's like yeah. getting Kurt, he's like, bye, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's weird. I it's never weird. liked you, Jason. You <laughs> are my weird. least favorite student. It's a weird choice to not save Jason. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they escape. They rise at the top. The helicopter is cool for It's like, I left the helicopter here. And like, I was like, <laughs> that was a helicopter, man. There's like a dozen people here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he couldn't yeah. fit everybody. <laughs> I really um, love Rogue landing the jet and how yes. scary it is for her. Yes. She does get very... I, when I did... I feel like she gets a little t- more emotional oh, she, than... I, I don't... Well, I, she breaks fair, down. The last time she was in this plane, she got sucked out of it and almost fell to fair, her death. Fair. So I do feel like her and this plane have not a great relationship. I, at but the no, you're right, Dagny. Like it, it holds on her I'm, distress. Like yeah, for a while. I'm like, why you shifted? You lifted up a few, like not a few feet, but like above the trees, shifted over and went down, and you're having a mental breakdown. Why are you okay? <laughs> I feel like this is a really good example of of acting versus real life because i feel like if somebody did that and reacted that way in real life we wouldn't think twice about it where yeah. she just like, operated this like thousand plus pound <laughs> right? piece of machinery like, oh yeah that, that makes total she, sense that you'd be freaking she, out she was like i'm going to crash i'm going to die this <laughs> yeah. isn't going to work but in a movie especially a superhero movie emotion yeah, yeah just doesn't play as well it feels yeah. unnatural and really? weird and yeah. you can touch people and kill them <laughs> Anna Paquin is a higher caliber actress than the writing she has been given, yeah. and this is yeah. another example of that. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, and I just want to show you I can emote this hard, and I'm a good actress. And it's a good point where, like, a lot of the time, and it's almost something that you only can appreciate now that there's, like, eight fucking superhero movies a week or whatever. Right. Yeah. Of, like, this feels so unlike what's coming out now, where they, they still feel a lot more human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where like yeah. it's it when one gets shot, it's like a big deal. Or like mm-hmm. yeah, a seventeen year old girl landing a big crazy jet, yeah, like mm-hmm. rattles her to yeah. the point where like they have to peel her hands off of the. And you know, like now Spider Man, like, it's gets, okay, it's okay, it's okay. Go sit down. Yeah, and now like Spider Man gets hit by a train, and like it, he doesn't even remember that it happened to him. Like it's fine, yeah, right? he's like fine. A few minutes later. Yeah. I, I do love the moment of Storm helping her out of the seat. I do always, I like yeah. that, where she's like, good job, good job. We're going to talk about <laughs> it later. We have a therapist back at school. Sit down. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you can go talk to hold- the guidance counselor. Yeah, <laughs> Hank McCoy. Uh, Wolverine's holding a boy, like a, a boy who's like feet are cold. This was never walk. weird to me as a kid. This is it the was weirdest very thing in weird. this movie. It was so the weirdest weird. moment. He sees Stryker chained to a thing. He's like, come here. You're going to be Look, a part of this. He's like, I don't have time to set you down. I don't have time to put you on the ground. I think in my memory of this, this kid is like six years old, but in actuality, this kid is like, like 13. 13, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a preteen, for sure. And there's he's a part like, of me where it's like, he can walk, Logan, right? Like, what are we yeah. doing? He's like cradling this, this the, yeah, this like tween, basically. Yeah. yeah. It's so strange. And it's entirely so they can get the, get the line It's that last says, line that he says. And, and so that we, he's like, for him. And then we can get the tongue sticking out like we got at the museum at the yeah, beginning. Right. We got You're going to die. There, there is a lot of interesting structure in this movie <laughs> where everything is done in like a series of bookends that just yes. like match 
uh, yeah. of like setup payoff. And yeah, the tongue sticking out, just like the museum scene. And then the next bit is the White House. They go bit. back to the White House. So yeah. it's like yeah. the White House, White House. Yeah. It's but yeah, just interesting. It, it's interesting now that he didn't just set this like 13 year old boy down. Yeah, for go, a second. go get in the plane. Go get in the plane. I'll be right back. But even if oh, the kid yeah. just like stayed back there and just like watched and waited, I, I would be less weird than. Hugh Jackman just holding him like, the whole time. Like, this yeah. fam ruined my life. Want to watch me go give my final speech to this piece of shit? And he's like, yeah, I'm traumatized. But then sure. his little feetsies would be cold. You know, Wolverine <laughs> yeah. is just. Oh, trying was to he also barefoot? Feetsies. He was yeah. barefoot. Oh, fair. Uh, okay. I mean, I mean, I do- there are weirder things. It was just I. I understood at the end of the scene. I was like, oh, okay, we get the payoff. But it is weird that you that Logan is holding on to this child. <laughs> It's a loose thread that it's yeah. that it's dragging along for yeah. sure. I, um, I also like to believe that this mutant kid with the weird tongue, like that's his only mutation. That's, I like to pretend like he's never going to be an question. X-Men. He yeah. ne- doesn't have any superpowers. He's just got a fucked up his tongue and his parents were like, go live at that school in New York. That's, yeah, that was my. I was like, is he? Does he have any other powers other than he can slither his tongue out? Like, I, I want to know what know. that tongue does. Is yeah. it like Toad's yeah. tongue? Does it maybe do it stuff? has acid or something? Could like I hope he's people? best friends with kid who can change channels with his eyes and is unable yeah. to sleep. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> I would watch that movie. Are they yeah. connected? Those two things, or are those just two things about him? I like the idea that that's his only power, and he's only at that school because his parents were annoyed that he kept changing the channel uh, every, <laughs> every time, time he blinked. blinked. <laughs> yeah, and like never slept, and never yeah. slept. So oh, they escape, no. and yeah. you know, huge part of I like I was like, wait, what's happening? Yeah, uh, when you when like when the plane can't take off, and Jean, you see on her face, she's like, oh, I know what I have to she do. Knows what's gonna happen. Yeah. And it's really like I don't in a, to the movie's credit, I don't feel like they were overly setting up. No, yeah. I don't either. You know, because it it's got. Like, I remember really... in theaters, it got me when we were kids. This, yeah. thing, it was like it's I thought the fact that they killed Jean Grey. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she's like a main character, and like I think every, I think this whole sequence is just really great. Of like yes. the team realizing that they can't do anything, that she's like done, like they can't, like they're they're powerless. The plan's she's not off. letting them she help her. She stops Nightcrawler yeah. from teleporting. She rolls yeah. up the ramp. Um, yeah. My favorite, the most heartbreaking moment in this whole thing, other than Scott just losing it, which kills me every time, so yeah. is is when she's talking through Xavier, and the moment she reels, re- leaves Xavier, and you see Patrick Stewart be the king of actors, and <laughs> and he shifts back from being Gene to being Xavier, who just heard what Gene said, and he's heartbroken. It's yeah, uh, it's, yeah. it's really good because I think something that I'm still waiting for the movies to really make come to life is the idea of the x-men being a family mm-hmm. yeah more than like a team and this yeah. th- this scene is like the closest we get yeah yeah i i i do think that this is really well done i think it's completely unearned because yes. i don't think we know gene enough sure for, for all this the stuff that we were talking about yeah like- i i like we've spent two this is only the second movie with her and i don't know mm-hmm. her enough that this yeah means much to me and, and so many of her scenes were like the dumb love triangle stuff right yeah. right and then like wolverine's reaction to her death i'm like dude you have collectively known her for seven days like collectively <laughs> like eh, yeah come on this is this yeah. is this is a lot but like uh yeah his performance with marsden yeah like yes when when they kind of fall into each other yeah the yes. reason it yeah. works i think yeah. the oh, reason absolutely. it works yeah. and also um again femka uh yeah holding the water back and lifting up the jet she you know she's green screen green screen and she's yeah. just she's acting her heart out. The shit yeah. out of it it's that so moment good. that moment where she closes her eyes mm-hmm. just before she lets go 
mm-hmm. is so yeah. good. And a, and a credit to the effects that it still looks really good with like yeah. the, yeah. the it water does look party. Good, yeah. 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 Water is tricky. Yeah. Yes. And the whole flooding sequence is great and terrifying. The way the dam slowly breaks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I it's... love that we get to see Stryker. I love that also that's a really horrible way to kill Stryker and I'm into it. Like, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're just going to drown, asshole. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like the moment where the after they're gone and Scott is still just like weeping and like Logan's are these two dudes who have only ever been like dicks to each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, I don't think it's something that happens enough in superhero movies, even today, where like two especially two men are like allowed to just like be really sad and cry yeah. about a death that happened. I feel mm-hmm. like every death in a superhero movie is like a stoic stiff upper lip. Yeah. I must feel like rocket is like the only time that a character's yeah. ever just been like grieving. Yeah. Rocket raccoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in general, I just think that the problem, the reason why they always fail to adapt dark Phoenix properly every time, every, every time, time is, is, like literally because they don't they do try to do it too quickly it's just it's 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 like gene's not not a person you've known for like years and years right right Right. it's It's like this is not meaningful no for sure and then like and we cut to the white house great scene great scene kind of like in a way it feels like the introduction of the x-men yes well, because because the subtitle is X Men United, and it doesn't feel like that until the way until the ending. It's not right. that. I mean, they're they're not united. That none of them are in the same place until yeah. the end. Until the end. <laughs> uh, Rogue and and Bobby get their uh, costumes. Yeah, yeah. Nice man, all iced up, looking great. We get our uh, Kitty Pride illusion. Let's say I know a little girl who knows how to walk through walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with that weird moment where Nightcrawler laughs at that, and I'm like, you don't even it's know Kitty Pride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the weirdest ed- cutaway. He's like, yeah, that- I'm in <laughs> on this too. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like how long is this after the Alkali Lake? Is no, this- I think it's immediately because <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. like, we have to it go back to Washington. There. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Xavier's like, we got to stop this now, mm-hmm, or yeah. it's going to happen. And like, yeah, Professor Xavier's kind of moment of like, hey, like we're here, we're not, we're not going anywhere. We might as well work together because like, there's going to be people on either side of us that are going to try and mm-hmm. make things worse. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really great scene, and it's like, uh, it's cool because like, you get, you get, you know, Storm setting things up, and then you've also got Xavier freezing people like he did at the beginning. Yeah, you know, so it's people it's, have people stopping with things about to go into their mouths, right? Like right. Yeah, man with the pen. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. And uh, I like the the quiet moment back at the in Professor Xavier's office mm-hmm. where they're kind of like remembering Jean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I really like. I don't love. <laughs> she picked you. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't love the. <laughs> she no. did make a choice, and it was you, or whatever he yeah. says. Like, yeah. Kind of. That's kind of what she said, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I or, do love the the very end with Charles being aware that maybe Gene isn't gone. But yeah. did you? Uh, but then and then and then we end with 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 him actually being a teacher, which is cool. We have the students coming in and he's giving a lecture. Yeah. But did you notice That's that sweet. he is giving a lecture about the once and future king? Yeah. yeah. What a weird tieback to the book Great. Magneto was reading. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they introduced it to each other. Maybe. Yeah. When they were Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy. <laughs> uh, once upon a time, and then yeah, and then. And then little X-Men fan, me as a kid, losing my mind over the, the phoenix in the, mm-hmm. the, the, the vague phoenix in the water. As and the then explaining the it to your mom. Yeah, and then trying to be like, no, she's not, she's gonna, they're gonna she's do so dead. good with X3, she's gonna, they're gonna do such a good job. Wow. But yeah, I, I, I agree with what a lot of y'all were saying of, yeah, there are moments that are really impactful individually, but like, mm-hmm. 
just characters like Gene and Rogue and Cyclops are so underserved that when they do get big moments, it feels like, well, this could have meant more if it had been set yeah. up, right? Yeah. And this, instead of being a Wolverine movie, this should have been a Gene Gray movie. Yes, yeah, 100%. But yeah. it, it is a Wolverine movie, for sure. And yeah. this is the one where it really, I think, locked in for us collectively that, like, I think these were all going to be Wolverine movies, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very and clearly honestly, is like- honestly, the reason that works is because Hugh Jackman's so good. I, I think <laughs> I like Hugh Jackman more than I like the character of Wolverine, just, like, across the board. For sure. And good sure. for him for doing that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, like, he doesn't, he, he's given so little that isn't him. Right, like yeah. his charm or him reacting in a fun way. Yeah. Right, right, right. All right. Well, I think that wraps up uh, X two. Next week we got X three. Dagny, Billy, tell us about Poptimus. Yes. Um. I guess we can. Bo- Billy, you do the little the little uh, explanation. So- You're good at it. <laughs> Poptimus is a, a pop culture breakdown show where basically my sister and I—that's her, that's Dagny. Dagny. We have a guest come on, and they bring something from pop culture that they love that is typically not loved by general audiences or is more obscure, and they tell us why we like it. We generally try to be optimistic about pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and and while I'm here, while we're here, um, Poptimist in its current form wouldn't exist without Nick Jimenez or Scott Corelli. Uh, uh, given g- Nick helping, giving me inspiration to start recording this again in the lockdown and get Dagny involved, and Scott giving us feedback for the first couple episodes is phenomenal. So check us out. We're weekly. It's a lot of fun. We just did yeah. an episode with Mr. Scott Corelli That's where true. he talked about uh, the Katherine Heigl vehicle 27 dresses, and it was a, right. a fantastic time. It was yeah. great. Yeah. Um, but we've had a lot. Like one, we had an episode talked where about, one of Dagny's yeah. friends came in and talked about uh, Halle Berry's Catwoman mm-hmm. and how that came to be, and then why he loves it so much. Yeah, um, we talked about Spider Man Three way back when. Yeah. Um, we talked about Mulan in an episode, the oh, live the action live Mulan. Action. Yep, <laughs> and uh, uh, we had Pandora Box from RuPaul's Drag Race come on mm-hmm. and talk about the 1980 Gene Kelly and Olivia Newton-John vehicle. Xanadu, Xanadu, wow. um, nice. and that was wild. And I really need to watch Xanadu at some point. Yeah, <laughs> so but yeah, follow us. Listen yeah, to the show. Follow us Poptimus. on Instagram at Poptimus Pod, and every Wednesday we release a new episode. Um, yeah, so check it out. It's yeah. really good, you guys. It's been so great having y'all on the show. Yeah, thanks for, being yeah, here. Thanks for having us. us. This was a this blast. This was a blast. Yes, this was fantastic. Uh, thanks yeah. for letting us come on and talk about what is, in my opinion, the gayest of all the X Men movies. Hopefully, and the just best, so far. in my opinion. Hopefully, yeah, just so far. <laughs> just so far. That's perfect. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Follow us on Twitter to be a part of. Uh, our uh, franchise polls that we do between each miniseries. That's at, at Franchiseography. And uh, make sure that you are a Patreon subscriber at DuelingGenre.com slash support, where uh, for $5 a month, you can gain access to like a bonus show, lots of bonus shows, but a Franchiseography bonus show in particular, and uh, amongst other things. So check it out. See if it's worth your while. Helps us keep the lights on. Helps us pay for bills <laughs> and all kinds of things. DuelingGenre.com slash support. Really appreciate everyone who does that. And we will talk to you again next week with X3, The Last Stand. Bye-bye.